let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are on location again. We're a London studio, London studio, as, as, as we're now calling it. And also, we're not alone. No, this this week we're joined um, by guest uh, comedian and author James Dowdwell. James, welcome to the show. Good evening. Pleased to be here. Great to have you along. Um, Thank you. And we've got first beer in glass as well. So let's um, let's get stuck into this. So uh, cheers. 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 Now, when I open this, you you could. Smell it I, I got away, very excited about the, uh, the the aroma. Yeah, the drinks tonight are from Fierce and Noble. The one first beer we got is the Session IPA, four point two percent. Fierce and Noble are based in Bristol, and they're very kindly sent us a selection of beers for tonight's show. So, thank you very much, guys, for doing that. And not only that, it's a five hundred milliliter can. That they are all big cans as well. Now, is they? this a tall boy? No. What is? I still don't know. It's the it's the American version of the big can. So it's the American version of the four forty can. No, it's I'm, I'm sure a tall boy is bigger than five hundred mils. Oh, okay, it's a bit more. Oh, I still thought, I'm but not quite as much as a pint. I don't know. Maybe Rob will tell us. Rob needs to remind us again because I've forgotten that because bit. Because we we're not allowed to use the word tall boy. No, we get told <laughs> off. We we do. But if we're wrong, we should be told off. That's yes, fine. Yes. Yeah. So thank um, you, Rob. But no, and, and all the beers as well are very much beers that are leaning towards us in terms of their style. So we've got a Session IPA um, at 4.2%. We've got an APA at just over 5%. I think it hits 5% it that one. And then we've got a West Coast IPA to finish off with at about 65 6.5%. And it's in a green can. And it's in a green can. Made Which for Steve. Made, made for me. Um... So, uh, what initial thoughts? Let's get James. Let's uh, go to our guest first. What's, what's your initial thoughts well, on on the session IPA? It's a beautiful colour, isn't it? You want to see that in a in a pint? It's uh, delicious. I think it's really drinkable. I, I really like this. I think it's beautiful. I mean, it's a nice uh, yellow lemony colour. Yep, mm. I'm getting lots of lemon on the flavour uh, as, as and well. I know the aroma. I think that's probably what you smelled straight yeah. away. Steve, was that sort of hint of lemon? Yeah, um, it's very refreshing as well. Oh, it's yeah. super refreshing. I, I mean, have uh, this on a hot summer's day. It's beautiful. And exactly the size can you want on mm. on a hot day as well. This is this is definitely a, a, a barbecue beer. This one. Yeah, nice, uh, nicely balanced. A little bit of bitterness at the end yeah, as well. Yeah, just a little bit. Just the slightest. There's a slight slightest hint of smoke in there for me as well. Just, just towards the end. No, I'm not really getting that. I mean, it's not completely clear. The beers. No, it's but it's it's more of a hop haze, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, a hop haze to it. So it feels like it feels quite full actually, even though it's quite easy to drink. It it's got it feels like it's got a lot happening. There is a lot going on in that. I mean, for a, like I say, for a session IPA, four point two percent. It's exactly what you want, isn't it? Because um, as far as we know, I think Fierce and Noble are fairly young. Mm-hmm. I think they are fairly new. So they're from, as you said, they're from Bristol, uh, which James, I believe, is your hometown right. yeah. as, as, as well. I refrain from calling it Gertlash, but it is Gertlash. <laughs> I'm, sure, no I'm sure, I'm sure you'll explain what that word means <laughs> yeah, to we'll, us. we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they seem to be specialising in doing some, some really kind of modern styles of Yeah, beer. so basically they're going for a, a core range, which obviously a lot of breweries these days aren't necessarily doing. Um, so yeah, as, in, as well as the ones you've mentioned, they do have a black IPA as well. Yeah, we're planning on featuring that in a future show. Yes, a black IPA special. 
And then there's also a black nitro. As okay, well. so assuming that's a stout, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, guessing. Yeah, so I think it's a. Yeah, the stout is really decadent, but it's 4.8%, so it's still in the right okay, nice, range. Yeah. Um, then they have an American stout, and then they have, for you, Steve, a fruit salad saison. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Exactly well. what I want. And they do also, it appears they also do a cask offering noble bitter well, at 5.8%. Yes, yeah, so it covers all the bases. Yeah, mm-hmm. every, everything ticked. So, but yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts are it's not too bad Pretty at good. all. Yeah, I mean, if this is the uh, the standard, I'm looking forward to the, the, the other beers this yeah, evening. Yeah, definitely. Um, so James mentioned in in the intro that you're uh, a comedian and an author. Yes, um, I'm sure you're going to tell us which came first <laughs> and and how the other one came along. But um, give us uh, a little bit of background about about yourself. Sort of, you know, your your beery journey. How did you get into beer? How did you get into to, to writing a book? That sort of thing. I grew up in a, a, a pub in the West Country. My parents have got a pub uh, ten miles north of Bristol. And they celebrated, two weeks ago today, 50 years of owning the pub. Oh, wow. 50, um, 50, 50 years. That's a milestone. Yeah, it's a milestone. Yeah, yeah it is. A 50 it? years of anything, I think, is a milestone. Running a pub, that, they've got to love it. Well, they, they don't uh, run it anymore. Uh, my dad bought it in 1969, and uh, he ran it until 1982, and then he's put managers in um, ever since. Um, I liken it like he's the chairman of a yeah. football club, mm. but he he claims his main job is interference, like a chairman of the football club, <laughs> and like a chairman of the football club. Yeah. So uh, at the minute we've got a fantastic uh, landlord in Mark, who's um, a, a wonderful chef. Um, so he uh, manages the manages the bar. But we've had some brilliant managers over the years. But yeah, fifty years, quite a milestone. Yeah. So as as a result of that. Growing up in a pub, mm. you've you've obviously had quite a lot of exposure to beer in in, in oh, your life. God, yeah, I mean, I mentioned it in the in the book, but I think I used to help out in the cellar. Four years old, I fell in a bucket of bass that was being uh, you know drained off a barrel, head first straight in. Had a good taste of that. Uh, so from an early age, you know, there was no question. My dad. Uh, you know how some people in religious sects are there, the enemy. Lager was, you know, I could be caught with heroin. It would be, lager would be a worse offence Wow, our family, you know. <laughs> it's probably a good time to name check the book. So what is the book called? It's called James? The Pub Manifesto. Subtitled, A Comedian Stands Up For Pubs. Yeah, and so what, the, the, this was almost your way of uh, bringing together all the art idealistic ideas of what makes up the perfect pub yeah uh, exactly the um i loved the moon under water by george orwell um and this book is kind of a seventy thousand word expansion on that essay if you like yeah in fact i end the book with envisioning what it is my version of your that. version of the moon under water yeah. but written now exactly yeah um, it was great fun, to, uh, great fun to do. So I grew up in a pub. Um, so from an early age, you know, when I turned eighteen, uh, it was bitters all the way, you know. And also, I looked quite young as a kid when I was seventeen, so trying to get served, it was much easier to go. Can I have a pint of brains SA, please? <laughs> Rather, can I have a lager, mate? So uh, I, I was always on, always on bitters. And when I went to university, the people were saying, "There we go." Ooh. I'll catch up when I've lost the taste. I went, what do you mean? Why would you not just drink something you like, you know? So, um, 
what rules the bitter man and is that still the, the case now is that still your your first calling when you go into a pub is that the first thing you look for or, or, or do you look for something different now well now it's all blurred isn't it it's, it's amazing we've got so many choices in the old days you go in and you go you know when I first came to London it was have they got fullers on no okay what what can we what can we have but now there's choices of cars keg craft beers are plenty there's fridges full of you can try anything all these dry hot lagers you know there's some really interesting beers out there isn't there and, and is your dad still um, completely against lager? Or, or is, it, is, it, is his view changed now? Oh, no, he's completely against it. The, we used to have a Harlot lager. The room was the tap didn't work. And he, um, he once gave my brother-in-law a bottle of Beck's. He put it aside. We looked at it. It turns out it was out of date. It was about five years out of date, this bottle of Beck's. So it was a, it was a trick. Uh, but you know, he, st- he in the pub itself, uh, the beers, the bass is the the main one for the locals. But there's St Allstall and Buckham and the other two uh, big selling bitters. And you say in the book as well that, that your dad also brewed his own beers as well for for, for the pub. Yeah, he experimented. He did um, <laughs> one called Saravana, which was a cider and orange. He's done two whiskies called Cheap Dip and Pig's Nose, which is behind the bar. But he experimented with a, a think of a black IPA one called Hippo, because in the early 90s, Guinness was popular with my friends. Plus, uh, people loved drinking out of bottles in the yuppie years. So he thought, why not combine the two and have a black lager? And it was going to be called Hippo, and it had Hippo on the front. And as you drank it, you'd reveal the Hippo. But uh, it was a bit too ahead of its time, to be honest. I quite liked it. Okay, James, that's that's great. You're, you're obviously going to stay with us for the show. Yep. Uh, you're going to get involved in, in all discussions, and, and we'll be chatting to you a little bit later on uh, about the book it, itself. We've also got some questions from our listeners uh, for you as, as well for a little bit later on uh, as well. So um, we'll look forward to grilling you uh, uh, over a beer. Um, let's get into what we've been up to in, in, in the last few weeks. Um, I'm going to let you two go first for this because you both went to, to Craft Beer Rising. Yes. Um, I didn't get to go. Uh, so I'm going to... Half term week, weren't it? Yeah. I'm going to take my beer. Okay. I'm going to sit back. Uh, and I'm going to allow you two to okay, make, me, make me envious <laughs> over all the wonderful beers you got to try. Well, we'll give you a shout when you're when, uh, ready for you to come back in, mate. Thank you. Please do. That's right. So, uh, my bit of paper <laughs> for dramatic effect. Um so yes, I did go to Craft Beer Rising, and as it turns out, our guest, James, you went as well. Uh, what session did you go to, James? I went to the Thursday session. Oh, what, the evening? Uh, no, it was the afternoon. Oh, I was there at the same time. Oh, the trade right. session in the afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cool. It's a lovely time to walk around. Yeah, I went to go and visit a friend of mine who uh, runs Friendship Adventure Brewery, and unfortunately, he was ill. And so I thought, right, okay, well, I quite like it when you're on your own. And you get to have a good look around because you really get to cover some distance. Yeah. And so sometimes when you're with other people, you have a great time, but you don't actually, when you're, especially when you're a bit of a nerd, you want to cover as much ground as possible, don't you? Yeah. Uh, what did you think of it? Well, I, I loved it. Question. I mean, I hadn't been for a few years and uh, it's changed immeasurably. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I loved the layout. I loved the fact there were small sort of uh, corridors. So there were basically about five breweries on your left hand side of five on the right so it wasn't like a the day before I've been to um, Derby to the camera beer festival there there was a huge great bar it was quite nice the fact there was little corridors so it was all quite 
felt like you were wandering through a market stall. Didn't yeah, it? it was almost like a supermarket or, or an indoor market. Wasn't exactly. It? Um, I agree with you. I thought that I thought the layout was excellent. I too haven't been for a few years. Um, if I remember correctly, there's about 155 breweries were there this year, um, which I think is a phenomenal number. Mm. The um, so I did I did two sessions. I did the trade session on the Thursday afternoon with our uh, creative director Clayton. Oh um, yeah. And we had a good wander around. Got a chance to talk to a few different people. Tasted some really nice beers. Um, I'm just gonna give a couple of highlights so in the afternoon and this is one of the advantages I have to admit I've been able to go uh, on the trade ticket and I, I'll say here thank you very much to London Fields Brewery for the uh, trade ticket they offered uh, to Steve and I and as uh, Steve couldn't go Clayton bravely stepped in he's <laughs> very very good he was bravely stepped in at oh, a moment's notice yeah and um, but it did give us the chance to spend a bit of time and I've never been able to do this before at the actual Brewers Association the American Bar and, yeah, um, I bet it did. Yeah, you don't want to hear the next few bits, not, do you? No. Not really. Not, okay. not all, but... Um, so, in addition to having some, what are con- I, I consider one of my favourite American beers, the High Lie, um, it, it was still only a can, but it was fresh over, it was only canned about three weeks before, from Cigar City. Um, tried a beer I was unfamiliar with, called Weekend Vibes. It's a, an American West Coast IPA, 6.8% from Coronado Brewing. Um and it was just completely on point exactly what you'd expect from a west coast ipa from a 6.8 percent and the guy behind the bar was that we were talking to was the guy who ran the brewery as well had a really nice chat of him and a bit like you said james there's a bit of room you can have a bit of wonder but we did stay there stay at that bit of the bar for a while because it was a bit of a quiet moment so that was quite nice that is nice the fact that because it's those little corridors you could just hang out at a place for five minutes or ten minutes have a proper chat with people there's no queues and then you could just move on yeah yeah and like like you say like yourself into many a camera beer festival and the the traditional way of doing the camera beer festivals all the stillage then the bar you can't really stand and chat no you're out of the way because that's the only place to get served um but then we, um, I, I bumped into uh, Mark Dredge, and he, being a big lager fan, recommended a couple of beers, and it was from Cotswold Bruco. Mm. Um, so naturally, because I had a second session to go to, I knew what I'd do. I thought I'd have the Imperial Pilsner, which came in at seven point three percent, and the Munich Hells at six point five percent. Because what else would you do at half three when you knew you still had the evening to go? Just, just, just remind us as well. By us, I mean me and the listeners. That the last time you went to this particular festival, it didn't end well, did no, it? No, the craft beer rising the time before in 2016, the wheels fell completely off. Um, <laughs> you know, once I'd had a few beers, then the Goose Island tasting, that was it. It went. <laughs> that was before I was doing the podcast. Yeah. Um, Phoenix rising. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was determined. I did both sessions and I made notes all the way through. I went analog actually. I went paper, paper and pencil. Really? Because I, I decided that. I wanted to make a few notes this time and actually write a few things down. But also, the easy thing would be to do it on the phone because then you can just transfer your comments when I tap it in. But you look at your phone and there's bound to be a notification of some point on there. Then you have to ignore the notification or it just looks like you're on your phone. Whereas if you are at a trade session and you're making notes, people know that you're just making notes. So I went and look. The writing wasn't great by the end. Or straight, I have to admit. Um, but the Imperial Pilsner... Just going back to that, easily one of the best lagers I've ever tasted. It's not a sessionable lager, as per the strength, but it's a sessionable lager the way it tasted. 
it was brilliant. And I spoke to the guy behind the bar and I said, why? Well, you know, why are you putting this in, I think they mature it for about nine, six to nine months. I said, why? You can't be making much off this. He said, no, we don't, but we just want to show the best that lager can be. And that was their simple reason for it. If you ever get the chance, you, Steve, or, or the listeners, um, have, have a little taste of it. And the same for the Munich Hells as well. Um, don't, they don't do it for quite as long, mature it, but it is fantastic, absolutely so drinkable. Um, and then uh, just, um, you know, went into the evening session when I brought uh, the beer club from work, took them to the evening session, and all the feedback I've had so far sort of rings true with my experiences, what James has just said as well. So everyone just really enjoyed it. As a club night out, it's quite difficult to manage though because I had 25 people going off in about 27 different directions mm. because there was so much choice. So bit of exaggeration, but most people, you know, people stayed in small pockets, but there was probably about six different groups. So it was quite hard for that, but we did meet up at um, a pub just off Spitalfield Market before that, just so we could get a bit of a feel for it being a club evening. But I thought it was really good, um, really good to do the trade session in the afternoon, and but again, equally, the punt a bit in the evening. Thursday evening, again, busier, but without being packed. Mm. For me, a thoroughly enjoyable experience, and I have to admit, most of the stuff I saw on Twitter for the Friday and Saturday sessions even as well, Everyone seemed to enjoy themselves. I've, I've seen nothing but praise for it. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it seems to be overwhelmingly that that people had a really good time this year. Yeah, which is brilliant. Was there any standout beers you had, James? Uh, yeah, the, um, Brixton Brewery did a. Uh, it was outfoxed. It was a red uh, beer that I thought was fantastic. I think that was my favourite beer of the day. Actually, I mean, it's slightly annoyed because Cotswold um, beer. I was across the way and then there was a bit of a queue and I couldn't quite get to speak to them so and then my train had to come on so I missed out on those uh, oh that's a shame that's ones. a shame I mean you can't do the whole thing no you had to pick a pick and choose a little bit so you I kind of ducked and dived and uh, I went to uh, Lost and Grounded I know you're mm. big fans of them uh, and it, uh, there was no one there so I, I went right the way through their range I thought I'd have a tasted quite a few of them anyway but uh, they're fantastic so um, that was my last beer of the evening Keller Pills oh yeah yeah I had a, I had a Keller Pills, Pills yeah. just at the age just, I just wanted something refreshing after tasting all those other I bet beers it really worked as well didn't it it was like the perfect way to end it's a beautiful beer isn't it? you know because we know, I know the beer I know how mm. good it is and it was just what I needed at that point there was a company there from like South London called Small Beer and they actually had a 1% dark lager Oh, yeah. And that was actually really, really good. Um, it was actually uh, Patrick from the Open Gate Brewery at Guinness who put me onto that one. All okay. right. So, yeah, really worth trying those small beers. So, next time I'm over. Perfect this, for a dry night, isn't it? Yeah, perfect yeah. for a dry night, or if you need something in between. I, the only thing I would say, basically, I couldn't see any water, I have to admit. So, having a few more low alcohol, no alcohol mm. options actually worked quite well, especially during that afternoon session mm. when I knew I had the evening one to go to. And all the ones I tried were really good. So, yeah, I would say it's thoroughly enjoyable. Excellent. I just, I, I want festival organisers to stop putting things in half-term holidays. I think... It's, that's a real challenge for me. Because half-term was a bit late, it was a week later this year. It was a week it? later, it was yeah. Easter yeah. was later. I've never known Crappy Rising to come in during half-term myself before. No, I don't think I have, actually. So, But I there th- is another one this year that, that, that falls during half-term as well. I mean, what is it, craft beer... 
calling, the one in Newcastle. They always, is always during always, October yeah, half term. Back end of October half term, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it, it just makes it really difficult for as as as, as a parent for me to, to to get there. There was another beer adventure. Yes, and uh, you can join in this time. Yay! Go I, on. I, I, I can talk. So we went to um, a Duval tasting um, last week. Uh, which we were invited to, um, and it was to try uh, all of their or, or the two normal beers that are quite widely available in in, in most supermarkets, which is their standard strong um, version, the triple hot version with, with the Citra. So we, we tried those. We also got to try their new um, Duval on tap, which is a kegged version of the original bottled version. Yeah, they've redesigned part of the tap apparatus as well, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, to, to get the pour and the head and, yeah. and, and everything. And then we got to try the fairly limited bourbon barrel-aged Duval. Yeah, as, this is the well. batch number three, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so the 2019 version is a version that's been barrel-aged in six different bourbon barrels. And then, and blended. then blended. To produce... 79,000 bottles. Yeah. So quite that was a number. Yeah, quite quite a limited um number. Um and I have to say simply incredible on on the flavors. I mean, I went in with a bit of trepidation. Yeah. Because the Duval Classic is a classic. Mm. It's a superbly drinkable, superbly dangerous <laughs> eight and a half percent beer. Even the Triple Hop series hasn't beaten it, and Citra's the chosen hop, and it's still not better. It's D- Duval has done me a few times. Yeah, it's sneaked up on me a few <laughs> it's, times. Yeah, it's because Trixie. It's, it's so yeah. drinkable. It's and so drinkable. I, I was a little bit nervous about what the barrel age you might do because it's not a beer I'd ever pictured barrel no, age. No, um, but it was bloody marvellous weren't it it was so tasty yeah you know it was it was it was smooth it was drinkable um it had hints of vanilla and toffee which you know came from the, all those barrels you've already name checked superbly drinkable so smooth none of that burn either there wasn't really a burn no no there was there was no burn no. at all on it it was just it was it just had a really smooth thin it finished to it like i said lots of toffee lots of caramel lots of vanilla in there as well but just really easy to drink and mm. again Nowhere near the eleven point nine percent. Didn't feel like it to uh, me. That's one that yeah. you'd, you'd be drinking that, and suddenly you'd actually forget your name. Well, it, uh, so this was at the uh, bottle shop in Bermondsey, and we were in the mezzanine level upstairs. So this was hosted by um, Nat, who you p- listeners may know as Beer with Nat. She's got her own podcast. Really well hosted, uh, but we did have to come down some steps after that. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of people taking their time coming down those yeah, steps. We were we were two of those people taking yeah. their time, and then we got the chance to pour our own uh, Duval um, from the tap. Now I'll say now here and now, but I didn't enjoy the tap one as much as the bottle still, even though it is the same beer. I I don't know why. Perception. Yeah, that's interesting because there's certain beers you think oh they are nicer in the bottom I don't know why it's it's an interesting thing isn't it though it's, I, th- I think I think for me the, the, the tap version was it, it was a lot crisper so it was it was a lot more I suppose a lot more lager like almost in mm. terms of its its flavour its mouthfeel how crisp it was um, and I do think it lost some of the the characteristic of the original I have yeah. to say I mean it, it was still a hard pour as well because I've already yeah. uh, amended the uh, altered the apparatus I think it's Part of that is the actual 
line between the cake and the tap and it's a single use line there was still something that I think you know if I went into a bar and I saw Duvel on tap I'd probably order it mm. but it wasn't as good as the bottle for me yeah it's, it's interesting I think it's almost for me it reminds me of a, a certain Australian beers I really like Little Creatures for example and I think Little Creatures taste better in the bottle than on draft yeah and there are obviously there's a number of cast beers which taste better they're designed for cast yeah. no matter the whole relay in the bottle they still don't taste as good that kind of thing but yeah I mean it was still nice but having had the original bottle beforehand the single hop and the barrel aged the tap was the the poor relation at that point oh yeah yeah I agree but look, like I say I mean very, very grateful to get invited down and to to, to, to listen to Nat talking about it as well because she's also the UK brand ambassador for Duval, for, for, for Duval yeah. so, um, and it, it was great listening to the, the history of the brewery and the production and the reasons behind everything so that was mm. that was a great experience actually I really enjoyed that um, and the last couple of beers I want to shout out I've just remembered saying okay. um, I, I've, uh, I, I bought the Overworks series from Brewdog oh I had one as well you had the Funk versus Punk yeah uh, what, well, first of all, what do you think of that? I really enjoyed it. Not, as, as listeners will know, not my sort of thing at all. Uh, but when, when they released the beers and I saw that one, uh, I, I guessed that you and Clayton would be going in on an order. Yep. And, and I jumped in and said, look, can you just grab me one of the bottles of the, 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 the Funk Times Punk because I, I want to, to see what they've done to what is kind of an iconic beer now in, in Punk IPO because it's essentially, it's... Uh, Brett fermented version of punk IPA yeah. that's been aged in fooders. So, uh, I, and I was like, now for me, that's not that's not going to be sour. It, it's going to be more funky than it is sour. Yeah. So it was, it was more on the side of the scale that, that I can. I tried it at the weekend, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, it was it was quite funky on the nose. Uh, there was a lot of bready characteristics to it. Um, it was a, a real soft finish, hardly any bitterness, but I found that it was just after that, and without being crude, it, it, was, when, it was when I burped after it, I was like, there's punk IPA. <laughs> it was the, 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 the punk IPA was on the burp, which is, which is quite a strange thing. I bet thing that wasn't on the bottle to, to, the script, was no, it? No, absolutely not. But, <laughs> but then when I went back in, you could then start to taste some of the characteristics of the original Punk IPA. So actually, I think what they've produced there is, is a great beer, and it's actually one that I would buy again, and I would enjoy drinking it again. That's cool. I mean, me and Michelle have shared a couple so far, um, and one of them which stood out, Cosmic Crush Cherry, uh, Fruited Sour, 6.2%. Um, you know, no, no clues for guessing what fruit is present in this beer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was very sharp straight away, it may have inflicted a sour face on you initially, um, but then you get start getting loads of the cherries. I mean, these beers, I think, have got d- dates on them for another four or five years, but I wanted to try them as they are now. Yeah. Because uh, they've already been doing stuff in barrels anyway. So, uh, but the tartness did remain all the way through, and for me, it was never too harsh. But again, it depends on your sour tolerance levels to know if it's too harsh or not. But I have to admit, what I've tasted so far, I've been quite impressed with it. And the very nice bottles. Presentation, as you'd expect from Brewdog, is tip-top. You know. But again, they're, they're beers that, from what I've seen, universally on Twitter have been praised in terms of people that have been drinking the overworks and enjoying them. I haven't seen a bad word 
said about them mm-hmm. yet and and I understand I've not really looked into it but I understand that there was a first batch of beers brewed and but they, the head brewer of the Overworks wasn't happy with them so he said just bin it I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. releasing that's it that's why they put them back by about six months yeah because they're not to the standard I want them so they were they were all binned and, and they started again and I think you know credit to them for, for, for doing that and being being brave enough to do that but lots of people wouldn't have bothered it's money, it is literally money down the drain yeah yeah, but just just one more thing on on beer adventures. While we're on the Brewdog yeah. note, before we went to the Duval tasting, we met up in Brewdog Tower Hill for yes, a, a beer beforehand. Now it's the first time I've been there, and I've just got to say, wow, what what a space that they've it's got awesome, in, in that bar. It's it's one of the biggest bars I can ever remember being in 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 terms of its sheer size. And they've got obviously the small brew kit in there, and again they've got some fooders in there with some stuff aging away in them. But we tried the kind of brewed at site session pale ale, yeah, and it was incredible. Yeah, it was four point two percent, low fours. It was a hot day. Yeah, it was lovely, absolutely perfect. Yeah, perfect. Uh, pre nice, sensible, sessionable beers for once. Pre pre uh, Duval but started off very sensibly. Yeah, it is a, it's a, I mean, it's an enormous space which they've taken over in that part of the, of the city of London. And we were in there between four and five. And it was still fairly steady trade. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't empty, was it? No, by any means. There was a lot of tables reserved as well for Tuesday night. Yeah. So, no, um, as I said, I'm impressed with the overwork so far. So, as I, as I crack on with the other ones, I'll let you know. Okay, mm. fantastic. Do you mind if I give one more beer adventure? Absolutely, yeah. Of course. I went, the day before Craft Beer Rise, I went up to the Derby Winter Ales Festival. God, that that's a little gem. That is, it's right. It's in, it's right opposite the train station in a roundhouse, and uh, absolutely beautiful. Oh, that's where they used to hold the national winter yeah. rail festival, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, that's and that's been in Norwich recently, hasn't it? Yeah, apparently yeah. It moves next year, doesn't G- it? To Birmingham. To Birmingham, which will be easier to get to, ironically for me, Birmingham, yeah. because Norwich is a pig with my trains. Yeah. yeah. So, was there any standout beers? Uh, well, it's interesting. I was thinking. Uh, with the craft beer rising, how you get people's attention? There was one uh, uh, stand where the, the beers were poured through a piano, so the actual uh, beer pulls were through the head of the. Is it the head? What do you call the top bit of a piano? God, no, no idea. Oh, let's go with the head. Yeah, the head of the piano. Yeah, so it was it poured through like that. Obvious. I think it was then called Hell's Beers, and uh, it was fantastic. So you you look at it and you think, well, this is. Work of art, so I must try some beers. So you look at the art first, try the beers. The beers are excellent. Oh, brilliant! Well, at least the beers didn't disappoint after. No, the exactly. Art. Yeah, that would have yeah. been a real shame, wouldn't it? But yeah. there were some beautiful uh, beers, some great ciders there. It was a really nice day, but the the, the atmosphere was fantastic. Really, really nice, friendly festival. I've, so I've always been that. really interested in that one. Again, it's one of these things because of the venue. Yeah, because same, that yeah. that roundhouse is. It used to be. It was an old train shed, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was literally where they used to turn around the engines. Yeah, it? yeah. It was only an hour and a half from Euston, so it's not a long train journey. Uh, any any more thoughts on the uh, the beer we are supping at the moment? I'm I'm, I'm really enjoying it actually, and I've I've noticed while, while you two were chatting about craft beer rising that there's actually um they've they've got tasting notes and a little kind of sliding scale on the side of the can so the, the sliding set, scale at one end says fierce and the other end says noble so yeah. so this is closer to the noble end of the scale and they say that it's crisp with a hint of biscuit uh, blueberries papaya blossom and bubble gum that's right bubble gum have some faith will you now I've got to say I'm not getting the, the, the bubble gum on it no at, at all I'm not 
I'm, I'm, I'm getting more of the citrus yeah. type of fruits on yeah, it. Yeah, citrus fruits, blossom. So, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I finished mine pretty quickly, to be honest. Yeah, to, uh, yeah. For the so it seems like James is a natural fit for the yeah. show. <laughs> uh, that was delicious. So I quite happily have another one of those. Uh, I really like that. Well, there you go. There's an endorsement if ever you heard one. Yeah, absolutely. Where, 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 we've that been out drunk on the first beer. I oh, know, that's never happened. We, we need to step up our game. Um while we're finishing ours, then let's let, let's get into the news uh, for, for this week. Um, so, um, big story kind of breaking today, um, as we recalled on the Monday. Um, now we've not really had time to digest this, so we're just going to mention it, and then we're going to go away and do a little bit of research, and ha- hopefully come back with a bit more detail on the next show. Um, so it was uh, the Portman Group have published um, the new. In moderate consumption guidance today, um, which is basically uh, a nine-page guidance document. Uh, Actually, fully, yeah. So the rule three point two F: illegal, irresponsible, or immoderate consumption. All the eyes. Yep, and and so this is basically largely around packaging, packaging sizes and and labelling. So and this got mentioned last year as being in scope for the Portman Group. Yeah, didn't they? this, this yeah. had been rumoured last year, but they were looking at the effectively high ABV in sealed containers, wasn't it? That that was it. Almost immediately, Seba <laughs> issued a statement um, saying that they oppose it. But I think that they had already hinted at that yeah. last year as well, but they were going to if it went the way they thought it was. And and they shared a table showing the different examples of container size, what would be four units and and the ABV, and what would be six units in the, AB, in the ABV. So uh, a 330 mil, for example, would, be, would need to be 12.1% to contain four units. Like I say, we... We can't really comment on this at the moment because it came out quite late today. Uh, we've not really had chance to digest it, but we did just want to mention it and flag it probably for our next show where we'll, we'll, we'll go into a bit more detail. Yeah, and obviously this. if anyone else has got thoughts, facts, opinions, please let us yeah. know because um, I'm sure there's plenty of discussion around this one. But what I'll do is for now, there'll, there'll be a link in the show notes to um, Seba's tweet, yeah. um, which shows the table and... as within that tweet has also got a link to the full Portman guidance um, but yeah any, any comments would be welcomed because I think this will probably take up quite a chunk of, of the next show I think once I think. people start digging into it this week I think there'll be quite a lot to yeah, go yeah I think once we've dug into it and had, had, had our thoughts about it uh, just in terms of the rest of the news um, Untapped made a great big announcement last week which everybody thought was going to be them selling out to ABI yeah uh, and it wasn't it's that they're, uh, they're running a beer festival in the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on the 4th of May, 2019. Mm. So, it's an untapped hope, beer festival. hope they've got a good Wi-Fi connection. <laughs> that, that, was instantly, <laughs> that, that was instantly all of the jokes, wasn't it? So, basically, you're going to have a beer festival where everybody's going to be on their phone. Yeah, can you imagine, though, if they didn't? Yeah. But I think somebody actually said, like, somebody did make, make that comment, oh, so, so everyone's going to have their faces in their phones for the entire time. And somebody said, isn't that every beer festival already? So, yeah. well, they, they could... They could do a thing where they have a QR code on each uh, stand, and you just scan you just it. Scan yeah. it. Yeah, they've got the the, the app. Does I, it. I'm sure they'll make it as easy as possible for app users to mm. to check in. Yeah, and, and, and if they're holding it in the stadium, that means they're planning for thousands of people. A lot of those people aren't going to be just scanning. They're not going to be writing their informative comments. No, 
Um, Scan, rate. I might, I might not use Untap that weekend. It might not be able to use no, it. No, <laughs> it, it might go down. But I, I suppose it, it begs the question in, in the future, will we see a, an Untapped festival in the UK? Well, I think it's quite. A, it's almost like a natural progression for them to actually go out into the wild, isn't it? Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, it feels like a bit of a challenge to the Great America Beer Festival to me. Well, I suppose, it's, I suppose only time will tell. Yeah, but it's got to be a similar amount of numbers. I think I think the good thing is is that it, it would seem for now at least untapped are still remaining independent. Yes. Which like I say, most people instantly thought they were gonna announce that they had sold or been bought out or something and know actually well, what, what they announced they'd was have a festival. Change their name to tap them, wouldn't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Look look forward to seeing what happens on that weekend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, uh, big news again from Beerbods who announced that they are releasing a new service. So this is called uh, Build a Case, um, which is, its its concept isn't really anything new. No. So, so, so basically um, what they're going to do is they're going to be, I, th- I think on a weekly basis or as and when they come in, they'll be doing what they call beer drop on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and when you see the beers, you can re- reply to that beer drop with the hashtag build a case and it will instantly put that can into a shopping basket for you on your website on their website and then you'll have 30 days to check out your shopping basket so it's so basically like, like i say the concept is, is is nothing new this this is what i do now with with sean at beer central he posts pictures of beers and i say i'd like one of them can you put it in my box but presumably sean or one of his co-workers is doing that particular yeah job. what what this adds is a is a little bit of e-commerce to it in terms of this whole by replying with a, with a hashtag the system Recognizes automatically picks up that hashtag adds it to a product and then moves that product into your basket and i assume thus taking that product one less on their stock count it should do so if you have 30 it goes down to 29 for example yeah but I think I think it's again um, Beerbods showing, kind of leading the way in that kind of online subscriber service innovation. Yeah, uh, I, I, like again. The, I like the thirty days build of your case as well. Yeah. So effectively, you could almost argue it's another monthly subscription, but you are choosing as you go along. Yeah, a fun yeah a fun way of doing it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think that. I think it's got legs. I hope it, I hope it works. Yeah, Beerbods have a good that. following still. Yep. Yeah, so. Um, for, to get involved in that, you just simply need to follow Beerbods on Twitter or Instagram. I assume you have to set up an account on their website. Um, and then whenever you see a beer that you want on their beer drops, hashtag build a case. Yeah, don't even have to go into your, into your webpage. And then finally, and uh, I very much uh, <laughs> benefited from this news story last week. Um, so this goes back to uh, a story that we featured way back, which was around the... The, the, the travellers who took over the Thwaites Brewery site yeah. and, and absolutely trashed it. Um, Properly trashed it. Leading to Thwaites actually having to close it. Yeah. Um, so we had a conversation on a previous show uh, about Quite that. a while ago as well. Um, and I think um, we were discussing at the time whether, because the police had made some arrests, but I think you said... I was convinced. Nothing will ever come of it. Yeah. 
Uh, and I said, I'll take that bet. And two men were jailed as, as, a, as a result of it, um, which thanks to James at Gamma Baron for pointing out that particular bet. Um, which probably elevates him to number one status for remembering the bet. Absolutely. Uh, means that I got bought a pint last week. Mm. Yeah, pint of Colonel. Which I loved. Yes. And it was even better because it was a, a, a bet win <laughs> as well. It tasted so much sweeter. I had genuinely forgotten about it. I think we'd both forgotten about it until James had reminded us. But, you know, if you make a bet, you've got to stand it. Yeah, so I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad he. That whole story came out on the day when we were out last week. Yeah, that yeah, was good. I love, love that story. Do you think <laughs> Twits is it? Twits will have to be uh, brewing it strange ways now. <laughs> like maybe, maybe they will ship some in. Possibly, yeah. So, and that's the news. That was quite for, short for, for this week. Yeah, just um, like I said, I think the big one is that is, is that Portman story, yeah. but we've we've not really had a chance to digest it yet. So um, there's there's no point in us digging into it just just yet. So next up from Fierce and Noble, we have got the American Parallel, batch number seven, ABV at five percent. Lovely five hundred mil can again. It's a red can with sort of blue squiggles it looks like sort of Man United's away kit it's kind of got that sort of vibe of a third kit how to put a man off a beer yeah who's your team (laughs) Liverpool oh Liverpool yeah um, I did notice the one reference to football in your book was when Aston Villa scored against us as well (laughs) (laughs) we don't score very often (laughs) I've I've got to say on that point cheers um, cheers the, the artwork on these cans is very striking. Yes, oh, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, there, there's nothing fancy about the beer names. They're, they're, they're simply called what they are. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the artwork on the cans is, is absolutely stand out. And, yeah. you know, people will see from the picture on the show notes um, that, that, that we put out just, just what we're talking about in terms of the, the, well, the, the, the yeah, kind of abstract it's very, art. It's very sort of 90s colours. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I really like it. Size and colours. Yeah, it's it's bold, but the bit is in the background as well. It's it's a really strange mix, it's but it does work. It's kind of rave culture. It's yeah, part, that part of uh, the dance music area of Bristol actually. But um, yeah, I love the cans. I love the designs. Now, this is a little bit darker in colour to the last beer. Mm. Mm. Nice nose. Lovely nose. It's yeah. um almost. Smells like this is going to be a bit more malty, perhaps. On the there's a lot more caramel in it. Um, yeah, I'm getting the caramel. It's almost it's almost like burnt sugar going on in that. And, and again, I'm getting I'm getting that little hint of smoke, a little hint of peat on the finish on that one. Um, so it's only it's not massive, but it's enough for me to notice it. I, again, I think that's good, spoken before about those ones which you're not always sure about the flavour or not sure about. You well, you don't like whiskey, but you definitely don't like the smoked or the peaty no. versions. No, oh no, absolutely not. Whereas I don't mind them. I don't always think they work well with beers, but I don't mind a peaty whiskey. And if it's something you don't like, you'd always pick it out. Yeah, mm. Mm. it's very smooth though. It's very oh, it's really another drinkable, easy yeah. drinking one. Yeah, and, and again at five percent, again you could have a few of these, even at the five yeah. hundreds. But it's, and as it will warm up a little bit, I think we'll get a bit more from that as well. Absolutely, yeah. It's very cold at the moment. Yeah, we'll take it straight from the yeah. ice bucket. Yeah. So, but it's, it's a good start. Absolutely. Yeah. So while we're enjoying this, James, um, let's talk a bit more about you and and, <laughs> and, 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 and your life and, and in particular and, the book, I suppose, and, and, and the book. Yeah. So um, I'm going to assume from having read the book that the, the being a comedian came first. Yes. And and then the the, the book came along after. Yeah. Well, uh, 
it's an interesting thing because um, as I say, I grew up in a pub. I was quite a shy kid, like most kids were. But my dad's a, 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 an old-fashioned landlord. You know, he's a guy that stands behind the bar. It's his stage. And uh, he, so he would say to me, go on, speak to so-and-so. I'm like, I can't go on. Get it. You know, so he, he brought me out to myself. So I think in the back of my mind, there was that sort of performing um, thing. So when I went to university, two things I did. I, I uh, joined the Comedy Society and started doing stand-up. And I used to spend so much time in my local pub, The Woodman. I got headhunted by the bar manager and said, will you work behind the bar? I said, what? He said, well, you spend all your time here. Why don't you get paid to be here rather than spending money? And also bring your mates in. So yeah. I became a barman. And as, as a student, it didn't sound like a bad idea, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Just go back to your earlier thing. What you said, I, I noticed that at the time. Um, the way you described it, your father had the bar as a stage. I've never thought yeah. about it like that. Yeah. I suppose if you think about, we've all come across good and very good landlords. And yeah... The bar is, it's their domain, isn't it's a, it? It's a stage in the, um, the Victoria, the podcast you did with the yeah. Vic yeah. bar stuff. I think she described, I forgot her name, but she just Sheena. Sheena, that's it, Sheena. I think she described it as a stage as well. Um, I don't mean to name drop, but I've got a name drop to tell this story. That um, Russell Howard, the comedian Russell Howard, is one of my best pals. We, we started stand-up very close together. I comped his first gig and his dad's uh, a businessman and he came into my parents pub one day and said to my dad Mike what do you think about our sons doing this stand-up comedy shouldn't they be businessmen like us and my dad looked at him and went, well I don't know about you but this is pure practice for the real show business the bar <laughs> swept his arm around and said what do you have brilliant but it's true and then when I went to university the um the uh, the guy, Darren, was this Australian bar manager, and he said, right, uh, he took over the bar. He said, right, I want everybody in black uh, trousers, white shirts, and dicky bucks. He said, I know it's, you know, it, we, we want a uniform. We want to look good. And it's the same as uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer taking over Man United. First game, Cardiff away, put them in, you know, suits. Give a bit of professionalism. I'm not saying everybody second, should do that. Second Man United reference. No, my dad's a Man United fan. Can we edit this? <laughs> well, I was going to leave it in. You've, you're finally getting that football conversation that you've, that, that you've always wanted. Yeah, you, never, you don't want that to start, though. You, you, you always get met with a blank response from me. Yeah, but, he's a, he's but a, he, the analogy is a good one, though. The analogy is a good one. But it, it was just—it was appropriate in that. I'm not saying everybody should dress up, or, yeah. but it was just appropriate in that bar. And because of that, they used to sort of have a bit of uh, you know comedy. So, for example, they used to come in flirt with uh, one of the girls, take the mickey out of me and get served by the bar manager. That was the kind of the way we did it. But it, it definitely helped me yeah. um, as a performer. And then, you know, as a comedian, you talk about what you what you know, what you like. And uh, so I started doing, in two, I always mentioned the pub occasionally in my stand-up, but in 2007, I did an hour show in Edinburgh about wine. And then a few years later, I did one about beer as well, called Wine Ale and I, which is a, Loose pun on with and I, but no one got it. Uh, and uh, and then I did a show about the perfect pub, and that perfect pub show uh, became before running to the book. Yeah, because in the, in the book you've got the like, almost like you're voting what people were voting for. Yeah, has been there. What did they want to see in the perfect pub? Yeah, so I asked I asked the audience what they want in their perfect pub, 
and I note down the best things on a blackboard, ended the show quietly to myself. I just took a picture of the blackboard, thought nothing of it, just for my own research purposes. So when I actually came to write the book, I suddenly had realised, oh my God, I've just done this massive market research campaign without realising. And much more recent than the YouGov poll from 2014. Yeah, But it was weighted, because it was set in Edinburgh, um, for example, there was a lot more whiskey references yeah. than maybe down south, than maybe more gin or cider. Um, but you could, you could allow for that. But you could when you, when you start going exactly. into the book, you do, you, you can weight that but to, exactly. by the audiences you were asking. So, so how did the, the book come about? Was that... Was, was it a pitch that you made or did, did somebody approach you and say, will you write this book for us? Well, I, I did want to, I was doing this run in Edinburgh and a friend of mine, Philippa, came to stay and she said, I could make a good book, went in my head. And then I started writing the book. I was about a year in and I sent off to a, um, a to try and get a literary agent. It took them six months to get back and, and she was like, oh, I don't think there's really market for this book. And I thought, I think there is. And then I thought, why not go to a publisher that specialises in pubs? So I just went, I just wrote a letter to, um, actually I didn't write a letter, I phoned them up. I phoned up Camera Books. I phoned up, spoke to the receptionist, I told them what I wanted, they put it straight through to the boss. I put, got straight through to the boss, pitched the idea. He said, send me uh, an email. And he read it, uh, straight, uh, the first two chapters, uh, got back to me on the Tuesday and we had a meeting the following week. Wow. So now, that, that quickly, sounds yeah. impressive, but I've been working with Cameron now for two years. I've never got through to the boss since, so I obviously <laughs> got, got, got lucky. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but still. I mean, but, probably because you found out. Yeah. But uh, I was very impressed uh, with the way they did things, and uh, they were very helpful to me because um, my first draft, my first few chapters were stand-up orientated, so there's so many jokes in there. But if you're reading something... It's a bit exhausting if you joke, joke, joke. So he said, you know, a bit like a brewer, you need to balance it, don't you? You balance mm. your, your bitterness with your sweetness. So I had to balance the jokes with facts and try and sort of steer a, a middle ground. So it's an easy, I wanted it to be an easy read. Well, I mean, I for one think you achieved the easy read. Oh, oh without a doubt, yeah. Oh, it's, right. it's, it's in, in kind of bite-sized chunks almost that yeah you, I wanted you, it you to be pick it up read a little bit put it down that's what I wanted it. yeah there was a, story, a complicated story if you left it for a day you no went, oh god what happened to the end of yeah. the last chapter I, I wanted to break it up and make it easy um, I actually there's a lovely book uh, you've mentioned a lot on your podcast Boken Bailey they did a nice book the 20th century uh, history of pubs and I like that book and I said oh I quite like the layout of that and the guy at camera said oh I know the guy does that Dale and so I used the same guys as Boke and Bailey did. Oh, right. um, also tested. Why not? Also, it's about breaking things up. So, for example, uh, I had a like a list or something, five steps to create a hipster bar or something like that. So, bullet point the other thing. So it's just easy on the uh, easy on your eye. Mm. Well, I mean, a few things stood out for me. I mean, I'm coming to your pub anyway. When you do open this pub, <laughs> I, I must admit, as I read it, and, and, and when, when James was explaining his perfect pub at the end, I, I, was, I was sitting there thinking, and I can just see Martin sat at the end of that bar <laughs> as that pub's most regular customer. Well, because this ticks every box in in, in a pub that you want. Yes, it does. Um, so session cask, landlord and, and uh, tribute, both yep. very good beers and landlord. On record as being one of my favourite. Um, stronger cask, Jaipur, 
Yeah. Ticks another box. Um, you're also going to have um, a pool table, dartboard, and football on TV. But in a separate room, I liked. Yeah. I, liked I liked that it was in I mean, a separate room. I love. I love football, but I appreciate that not everyone likes football. But I think there's room for it, but in a separate. I mean, it's, bunker. Going, it's going to be a big pub. It's got to be a big. I pub. mean, your pub is going to be the standard Weatherspoon size to accommodate <laughs> everything you're after. <laughs> but, it is, but, but I also I also imagine it being like location-wise. I imagine it being like. Diagon Alley in Harry Potter that you can yeah, only ooh. find it yeah, if well, you know how yeah. to get made a point there. of saying that as yeah. well you can't just and let's face it you go to a town city you will find a Weber Spoons because it is easy to find purposely yours is the one round the corner down the alleyway and then you might find yeah. it yeah. I remember but years ago uh, gigging in Leeds and me and the, another guy Bennett Aaron we were looking for some good ale we went five pubs. It'd have been easier to buy a gun than trying to get some real out. And then, uh, literally, I think it was a year and a half later, I went with a, uh, another comedian. In fact, mind it, it's Michael Smiley. who was on Spaced, a very good comic. And he went, "I'll take it to this place. I know you'll like it." And it was the North Bar, and I was like, "Wow, this is Love my heaven." I've been there once still. It was just you know so. arriving and them going, "What sort of beer are you after?" Ah, oh, I think the whole thing. Is well, yeah, I mean it's just different isn't it I mean but I also do want to give a shout out for your choice of crisps <laughs> Brannigan's ham and mustard yes everything you said about it and especially the way they would cut through nearly anything mm. else as well they were always so sharp yeah because people say oh but they're really salty yeah but if you're drinking some porters or drinking some Perfect. winter beers they're Perfect about that. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely going to his pub. So, so we do open it. Like, like I say, I'll even crowdfund it. As, 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 <laughs> as, I, as I read it, I was like, Martin, tick, tick, tick. He's yeah. going to love this place. Yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely his pub. He has created my moon underwater. Yeah. Which I suppose was the ultimate aim anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it must have been quite, was it fun actually pulling, doing it all? Because obviously I know oh. you said you had the background stuff and you've lived in a pub. Do you know what? I, it, it, Oftentimes you hear of people writing and they say they have rights, but oh, no, I, I really enjoyed writing everything and I really enjoyed um, researching various things and I learned all sorts of things on the way. Uh, but I'd get what's so odd is because I was helping my uh, fiance um, with her business, I was basically, I had to get up towards the end, I was getting up half six in the morning. I was thinking, God, it's it's half six in the morning. I'm writing about tequila. This is odd. <laughs> I thought, well, it's a bit like listening to a beer podcast on the yeah, way yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I tell you some of the standout bits with the little conversations you shared with us from your dad. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, when the, I your, interviewed him. Yeah, your, your dad's nuggets of wisdom, I thought were brilliant. Well, well that's, oh, I'm so pleased you said that because I did think at some point, uh, that, right, I'll interview various people then the more I read I thought well everybody's interviewed Tim Weatherspoon everybody's interviewed these people and I love all the books that have those interviews but I thought I'm not providing anything new but my dad's he's quite eccentric so I thought oh, I, I'd, I'd love to summarise the conversations that you put in there I mean he he does know the trade he knew what his customers wanted even that little snippet about he notices that people going home early on a Saturday can strictly come dancing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those little bits like that, yeah. I was thinking, that's brilliant. He's 
He's clever on Especially that. on this day and age when we can go and watch our TV when we want to watch it. It doesn't have to be a TV of the moment anymore. Mm. Brilliant idea. And Did some he? of his other little bits as well. I thought it was really... One flavour of crisp. Obviously, he wouldn't have had the Brannigans at the time. Mm. He had the one flavour of crisp because he thought too many people keep up, keep on tying up the bar staff asking the flavours. Yeah. So I'll have salted. I mean, my dad's <laughs> basically ethos is get that bar pump moving yeah. that, that pump needs to be moving all the time but anything stops it you know just keep it keep it moving yeah I, I, I did like his wisdom mm. I, it- I used to work in, in uh, I used to have a little office with a friend of mine and in Dulce they had a rooftop garden they had uh, uh, beers up there and they had a bar with beers and cocktails and I said oh I don't wish to interfere but can't you have a bar over there for cocktails for people who want to do all these fancy things and people who want to just keep uh, hammering the craft dales over here and then we can um, anyway they did it move it along a bit quicker good idea yeah, yeah. It's, it's the um is your dad's pub quite big because I've, I've got this picture in my head of being it being quite quaint in terms of it's it's it's, it's, it's size it's kind of a tardis you can fit about 250 people in okay are um, you a doctor who fan yeah because you had doctor who references yes. in there well I've got Doctor so, Who in football all, all in one place. Well, so shall I just leave you two to <laughs> it? No, and you just bring the rest of the show so, in on so, your own. So the pub used to, um, it was bought off a guy called Edmund Grace in 1969. Edmund Grace is the great nephew of the cricketer WG. And it was initially, you'd go in through the front door and there was a uh, bar to the left, bar to the right. And uh, so what my dad decided to do, he goes, well, we're not that all into one. Well, that's the lounge bar. We have a side entrance for the locals bar. There was two bars. We went, no, I'm going to knock the whole thing through. So it was quite um, innovative at the time. He wanted to stand behind the bar and see everything. So it was one bar for everything. Uh, So they had that. And then they put and extended a kitchen on. And then they decided with the whole gastro thing, they put a gar... uh, uh, sort of a dining room on but they put that on the back of the pub so it just you don't really see it and it's um, subtle and so you don't lose the ethos of the pub and you still don't cook chips no chips again love that and it's a valid point three different types of potatoes I love but it's a valid point you can smell chips whenever chips are being cooked you can smell them my dad used to work in a fish and chip shop in Manchester years ago and he used to come home and eat stank of chips he goes what's the point of me having all these nice beers and wines and Everyone's smelling of chips, smelling so no chips. chips. No chips. Uh, the, the ready salted crisps. The other one was my dad was always against coffees. We don't want coffees. And all the bar stuff, we've got to serve coffees. Okay, we'll give it a go for a week. The end of the week, bar stuff, we can't be doing coffee. It slows everything down. Yeah. Yeah, no, the Vic doesn't do coffee. So not? No. Instant no. coffee's fine. And you yeah. can okay if it's a, a restaurant part of the pub or they can. The, they can do that, yeah, but in you, terms you, of an actual pub, you're having that as an after you, after dinner drink you know, anyway, aren't you? The you want to yeah. you want to get served quickly. You don't want to be hanging around while someone's uh, brewing coffee. Yeah, I love the I love the. It, it really feels like a place we need to visit. Having, You'd be most having, welcome. Having read about it, yeah, and, I, I, and I, I, I definitely want to. I, I, I would, I would love to go. And visit. Almost seems a shame that this came after our. Quimbo crawl to Bristol. Yeah, because we could have found our way there. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you could have had a hungover. Uh, Little meal we, on the Sunday, hungover yeah, roast, and, and the recording in there. That, that would have been perfect. <laughs> Sunday Absolutely. roast, yeah, and the recording, yeah. So, having having read through your book, um, we, we we tried to do um, 
uh, a couple of polls that kind of lent themselves to what you were talking about in the yep. book. And the, the, the first one we're going to cover kind of does, but certainly the second one, it was directly influenced by um, some, some bits that you put mm. in, in, the, in the book. So um, let's get into the first one. Opinions, 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 opinions. So this was, um, you're faced with knowledgeable, with unknowledgeable bar staff. Do you politely give advice or bite your tongue? So we had 468 votes, 68% of people said, bite your tongue. So what do you think on, on this one? Let's get straight in with our views on, on, on this one, because we do go to a lot of bars and, and, and pubs, and we're uh, not always faced with the most knowledgeable bar staff. Do, do you stand there and preach the gospel, or do you just take your beer and walk away? Bite my tongue, okay. definitely. Um, I will politely offer advice if people are standing beside me at the bar, and you can hear them having a conversation and they may say, oh, I'm not sure about that one. And I might chip in and say, just had that one. It's really good. If you like so-and-so, you'll quite enjoy this one. With the bar staff, no, I don't see any... Uh, for me, I don't see any advantage. Okay. James, you've worked behind a bar. Have you, have you had, mm. ever had anyone offer you advice based on your own knowledge? I can honestly say I've been doing stand-up full-time for 19 years. And I worked behind a bar for three. I got more heckling behind the bar. The abuse you get is... Really? Ah! But the locals wind you up, and especially if you're new. Uh, and there's a thing in the West Country, I'm sure it's global, but landlord baiting. All the people from the north of Bristol, if there was a new landlord in a pub, they'd go to the pub to wind him up or wind her up. And uh, if they passed, then they'd be regulars. If not, they wouldn't. But um, I got more. I mean, they would do all sorts of things, uh, wind you up, and you know, you know, have a Guinness shandy, all, all this sort yeah. of stuff, you know. But would you but, get anyone sort of questioning your bar knowledge per se? Um, not, not entirely. And I, I'm with you. I would never. I don't think I would never. I never actually question anybody's knowledge but if they said to me oh you know occasionally you get a new a new bar something they go oh mate and you're looking at them they go am i doing this right no you go but nearly if you just do that or do hmm. just tilt your glass at 45 or something like that yeah, i mean if you became a bit of a regular or a local and yeah. you got to actually know them you may do it but i think that's more discussion based yeah, if, I'm standing at the bar, yeah. if it's somewhere you're going into the first time no. i mean I, I wouldn't because i i don't want to be that guy you know, I don't want to be the beer bore in, in, in the bar. No one wants to be told in any walk of life that they could be doing it better. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's see what people thought about this one. So, um, first up, Chicken Dipper uh, at <laughs> Salandagram. Um, crikey, this is a tricky one. Giving advice, even politely, can make you look or feel like a twat. Biting your tongue can mean wasting money or spoiling your evening. I've got to say, I'm not sure. Depends on the situation, but tread carefully and be nice. Um, John Moore at The Beer Idiot in most bars I get the feeling the staff are just there for a wage and not for the love of the job so I bite my tongue most of the time but if given something that affects my drink warm glass etc I politely ask for it to be changed now I had a lot of other comments as well along that sort of theme particularly around either warm glasses or the wrong glassware or bad or off pints I suppose it's a little bit different though isn't it because you're paying for something yeah if you get someone who's unknowledgeable that just means they either aren't that fussed about what they're doing, they are there for the wage, or they're new. 
but if you actually end up with something that is going to disappoint you glassware warm glass bad beer you've paid for it you're entitled mm. to ask for yeah, a change I, yeah. I have to say I'm always reticent to complain or anything but if if it's my partner and she's got a, a cold cider or something and it's a warm glass and she says warm glass I'll go up and change it and I'll be honest I've never had a problem yeah. I've been oh, blimey and then they've changed it straight away yeah I've, I've had a couple of times where I've, I've taken a beer back that is, is clearly bad and I must say on one of those occasions um, the, 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 the bar staff at, at that moment chose to start an argument and say well actually it's, it's not that's how it should taste and the beer in question was Magic Rock High Wire which is, <laughs> which is a beer that I'm fairly confident I could tell you if it was off yeah. or if there was something wrong with it mm. and, and they were absolutely adamant there was nothing wrong with it and I'm like well I can tell you it's not supposed to taste like that did they taste you, it? No, they, that, that's the thing. They didn't oh. taste it. They, they took they took the pint back. They left the pint on the side, and they left the pump clip still round. They didn't they didn't do anything about. It. And then about half an hour later, the pint had dis- disappeared, and the pump clip had gone. So I think they they then tasted it, but I didn't think at the time that they actually wanted to, to kind of taste it to be proved wrong no. al- almost. But but I would that, I would only that's ever. That's unfortunate. I've always had if I've ever brought something back, I've always been. It's always been swapped straight away. Yeah. An apology. I mean, they, they they swapped it, but they just they they were kind of arguing the point with with me, and I, I kind of I, I felt I, I would I would only do it with beers that I'm absolutely confident with yeah. that I know what they should taste like, and and high wire is one of those beers that I know what high wire tastes like. So if I'm given a pint of it that tastes, and it was cask high wire as well, so it's a fairly fairly rare beast when you find it. And it just but wasn't it's still a rare beast you've had before. Yeah, and it wasn't right. You know, we've had that. We've had that at the cocktail, and then you've had it at the brewery bar a couple of times as well. Yeah. So you are mm. familiar. Yeah. yeah. I would. I, yeah, I would only challenge it if I knew the beer. Yeah, it's the same as like a wine, isn't it? When you or wine's corked. Yeah. If it's a tiny bit tainted, I wouldn't. Unless you're paying a lot of money, but sometimes you can go. That is definitely that smells of eggs. Yeah. Then straight away you'd bring it back. Um, so from Bod at Tribod. In a tactful way to try and spark up conversation, but not in a condescending way. For me, it's all about being sociable about the beer, not to score points. Yeah, I'm a chatty one anyway, and always like starting a conversation along the did you know lines. That way it's asking, not assuming, knowing they don't know what I'm talking about. That's from Gerald Doherty at drinking underscore games. So that's an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. Did you know? Yeah. That's not supposed to taste like that. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose, again, and I think a lot of what we say, and this is where I think maybe we're losing the art of it because we spend so much of our time communicating without tone. You can say the words, but the tone will dictate a lot of the time what those, how those mm. words sound to mm. the person who receives those words. So yeah. two people can say exactly the same sentence, but delivered completely different. Mm. and can be received completely different and I think sometimes we because we don't use tone as much because of the way we communicate then the art of it can be lost and I can be guilty of it as well I I think I'm just being factual it can sound like you've just been miserable or hacked off Mm. whereas I just think I'm just saying the words but yeah adding a smile and adding a softer tone so you know Gerald Doherty does it the right way and it's not a busy bar and also that's the other thing I suppose if someone is maybe challenging your knowledge, 
and you're the only one there, they probably don't mind so much. Yeah. It's choosing your yeah. moment as if well. There's though, six, if there's another yeah. six people around, yeah. you're going, shut up. Also, to throw another little side in there, as a son of a landlord, I'm sure my dad would prefer you to say, oh, question your knowledge rather than say nothing and then go on tripifies again. So um, I think you'd prefer a direct. Yeah. Uh, At the time rather yeah, than. Yeah, exactly. The yeah, and that bit I can also yeah. understand. And so from Martin Griffin at Martin the Monkey. <laughs> Love some of these names, though, I have to admit. Uh, tough one, like everyone has said, bite your tongue unless it's going to ruin my drink. For example, I've seen staff serve fruity Berliner Weiss on ice before like Magnus. Yeah. Cool, that's going to froth up a bit as well, Yeah, isn't it? just a little bit. Oh, cool, that water that down. Yeah. Um, from Ross Lang at Ross1875Lang. Having worked in the trade for 15 plus years, I always want to pass what I know to my staff and every day I'm still learning myself. But I find it disrespectful when someone tries to tell you how to do your job, even if they, even if the knowledge they have is more than yours. So I bite my tongue. So again, I suppose it comes down to being told in front of other people. No one likes it. Yeah. Um, so Mark Johnson, at Mark N. Johnson. Oh man, I'm already ranting, writing about this. Best get it out there. Um, hasn't, it, hasn't arrived yet, though. Hasn't arrived yet, so we are waiting for that post. Yeah, come on, Mark. Mark. Where, yeah. Where's the post? I'm, I'm waiting for this one. I'm <laughs> waiting to read this post. Yeah, he does always seem to synchronise some of his posts yeah, with yeah. some of the, 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 the topics if that you, we're talking about. get it ready for the, the Thursday release. That'd be yeah. perfect, yeah. Uh, Phil Dawson, at Phil Dawson, needs to weigh out the situation, but reminds me of a time I was in a trendy East London hotel bar, and the bar t- sold me a session beer. Turned out to be a Saison. <laughs> I could be dyslexia. <laughs> I later politely explained the difference and she happily told me I was way better at explaining it than her manager. Oh, brilliant. Do you know that what that puts is me beautiful. in? beautiful. That puts me in mind of that McDonald's advert where they're trying to describe a flat white. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And then McDonald's <laughs> just give a nice simple explanation. They go, oh, okay. Yeah, get it now. <laughs> um, that is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so, so Podrick Fox at Foxatronic82 depends on what the gap in knowledge is conversational rather than preach is always a good way to approach I can use my delirium incident as an example so for, for <laughs> listeners that don't remember while we were in Dublin um, Padraig did decide to uh, try and pour delirium into a delirium glass in front of the owner of the brewery and did it completely wrong Yeah, and, and got chastised for the, it the delirium owner <laughs> didn't say much to him Looked at him, took the glass, poured another beer. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> Cut him dead. I mean, it was funny at the time, but you wouldn't want to be serving at the bar and have that happen. No, absolutely Definitely not. not. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on a second. This is I fun. know. I know. It was a rare comment, so I included it yeah. in the ones to feature. So, from the aforementioned creative director at Clayfish. So, Clayton says, bite your tongue. Call them hat under your breath as you walk away. Seethe as you drink the first half, then vent your anger in a series of unexplained posts on social media, preferably with gifts. Go back to the bar and be polite as you order another one, then repeat. <laughs> I think he's summing up what happens in a lot of instances yeah, though, yeah, there, yeah, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah I did, I did like, quite like that one. Yeah. I saw, and he got it in before the poll closed. I know. Remarkable doesn't, stuff. Doesn't happen, though, yeah. does it? Um, so from James at James Moosh. I was once in a bar and the bartender told me what a wheat beer that a wheat beer was a type of IPA. I didn't correct them. I don't think it would have been appreciated. I wouldn't say anything unless it was a problem with the beer I'm buying. It's an interesting one. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. although I going back to maybe what you said there, James. Um, maybe at some point the guy may have appreciated that because at some point, so say you have yeah. ninety nine polite people who don't say anything, someone is going to be the one person, and he's going to think, why didn't someone else tell me that one day? Yeah, yeah. I think so it could be just the way you say it, like a, a mistake like that, or the saison to go Ooh, and just take them aside and go quietly, and just inform them. You know? Yeah, it's not a complaint; it's just helping, isn't it? Just helping them along in their journey yeah. as well. But yeah, yeah, I'm still, I'm still on the bite your tongue bit. I have to admit, as a general rule of thumb. Yep. Um, Miles Lambert and Miles Lambert. The biggest frustration is misinformed bar staff. By way of an example, I was once in a bar and questioned a pint when I returned it, and I was told it's meant to be like that. It's craft. <laughs> <laughs> not, I'm not so sure that would wash these days. No, craft doesn't mean homemade. No. Yeah. I mean, if she said it's homebrew, then fair enough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different, isn't it? And, and then finally on this one, Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608 uh, A lot of people have said about dirty glasses or bad beers, but surely there's more to the question than that. What, what about current trends, new beers, breweries, tasting notes, customer interaction? We have lots of knowledge to please everyone. Hashtag come do a shift. And there it started. So, so there it is. So, so Rich, for the listeners that don't know, is the manager of the Victoria Inn in Colchester. Um, I rose to that challenge of that hashtag and I said okay when do you want me uh, and it appears that I'm going on Thursday the 14th of March to, yeah. to work a shift at the at the Vic Inn so when do you rise to the next challenge uh, the hashtag will you want to be you know corrected when you're behind the bar um, I yeah because I I'm I don't want to go into it as as, as being kind of a know-it-all or in anything and you know I've I've never I've never worked in a pub mm. um, I've, I've 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 volunteered at two very different beer festivals one was gravity pour the other was a keg bar I've I've never pulled uh, a hand pulled pint and that's the thing that I fear the most in the Vic is those five hand pulled be- yeah. pumps because I've, I've never done it Not as much okay as let, me, fears, let me rephrase it, it if 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 for the first hour of your shift, everybody, nobody says anything derogatory, your confidence will build. And even if by hour three someone says something, you'll be so confident you, you'll just bat it off. But if somebody was nasty to you on, you know, beer seven minutes in, beer number one, <laughs> your confidence will be shot. But then when Steve hands them a beer which is blonde and well carbonated, and he says, why do you want this warm, flat brown beer? They may pull him up on it. Yeah, you know? I've, 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 you've told me I'm not allowed to use no. flat, Brown, boring, or warm. Yeah. Are you are you going to be because my dad is one of those landlords who likes to be a little bit. Annoying. Someone used to come to the bar and say, uh, "Have a pint of Guinness." He go, "Are you Irish?" No. Well, in that case, you're just drinking it for the trend. You realise that twenty six percent of that pint price, that pint is waste of advertising. Now, why don't you have a proper beer and I'll give it to you for free? <laughs> So all my mates, you don't deal with my mates. That'd be rich to be so fascinating. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, he I, loves doing it. And, and I've got to say, in, in, the, in, the, in the negotiations that went on behind the scenes, uh, we did decide that 
Um, it would probably be best not for me to ruin their Friday night or Saturday take-ins by, by working on either of those and to do a Thursday night. Because so it's, from, it's going to be one week from release of this show. It, it? it will, Excellent. so be able to feature some feedback on, on, the, following on the following show. show. And, and a lot of people have said, oh, are you going to do pictures? Are you going to do Periscope? And I'm like, no, because I'm going in... I'm going in as a member of staff, and from what I remember when we spoke to them, their staff aren't allowed their phones behind the bar. Nope. So for, for four hours, I'm going to, and, and I know that's not a full shift before anyone starts tweeting me, um, but for four hours, I'm going to be offline because I'm going to be serving pints in the Vic. Yeah, and the Vic don't know who you are. The Vic don't know what you're no. doing it for. Someone may ask, oh, is this the new boy? Um, but, and it's not really a massive bar. It's not. And, and you and, start clogging up a bit of room. And I'm really worried the, about getting in the way of the normal stuff. You? No. no, no, oh, no brilliant. Create a backstory. <laughs> what, Great a fake a one? backstory. Yeah, fake backstory. Because you have to remember, if you were on your phone, they've got that cellar door behind where the till is. You're on your phone, bang. I didn't know there was a cellar door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cellar door, because I'm, I'm pretty certain, and Rich listens to this, he'll correct me pretty sharpish anyway. I'm pretty certain the cellar door is near where the till is. Thank you to everyone who's um, contributed to this bit yeah, so far. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was only uh, a, a very small number of the comments that yeah. we had. As always, we had loads of comments, but we are we are trying to cover off two polls tonight, so so we've had to kind of slim them down some somewhat. Yeah, but four hundred sixty-eight votes, nice little number. Some really good comments, though. Yeah, as yeah. you say, we've only we've only featured a small amount of the comments. Yeah. So the the, the second poll that we did, um, this was very much influenced by uh, two sections. From, from within the book, James. So they, they were um, headlined, um, My Do's and Don'ts of Pub Customer Service. Oh, right. Um, I don't know whether whether that was your list or, or that was your dad's list. I think this next one might have been your dad's list, actually. actually. The six qualities in good bartending, according to my parents. Oh, right, yeah. it was both. That's when yeah. you had the conversation with yes. my man dad, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I think, if I remember rightly, yeah, there was one for them. Uh, and then I put my own things in as well. Okay, so we, we kind of took that uh, and we twisted it into this question. Opinions, 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 opinions. What's the most important skill for bar staff? So we offered three options, smiling, being polite and knowing who's next. Massive number of votes on this one, 802. Uh, mm. lots of comments again and, and again we're only going to feature a few of these um, 62% of people went for knowing who's next as, as being the most important skill yeah. that, that a bar person can well, have uh, uh, 32% yeah. being, being polite and only 6% smiling which I know was your parents number yeah, one yeah that was their number was one it, wasn't it I, I suppose really all three of them should be there but we're consumers we want to be knows next is is the other two if the other two aren't there you're not annoyed but if the third one's not there you're very annoyed i suppose so it, it, i i'd probably get that i think that's the rationale behind the yeah. voting before we dive into it too much we're all coming towards the latter parts of the beer what what, what do you all think how's it i mean we all seem to be just quite quietly chugging it away i'm i'm, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm not overly enjoying it there's, I'm, I'm still getting that kind of, it's almost like a bit of burnt rubber for, for me in really? there. That's that, that's a little bit un, unbalancing it for for me. I'm I'm, I'm getting the caramel. Um, I'm, I'm just not getting. I suppose I'm not getting enough of the hop character. It's for, much, for, for I think me. it's much more 
an English American pale ale. It's, yeah, it's a traditional American. It's, it's yeah. like our take on an American pale ale mm. rather than let's dial, good... let's dial down a bit of the, the, the malt bill, maybe let dial down a bit, bit of that earthiness and up the hops a little bit. They've gone, no, it's still a, it's still our take on it. So I think it's got the qualities of an American pale ale, but I do know what you're saying. It's not the hops that are shining. No, I, I think if we go for American pale ale, my go-to example is always going to be Sierra Nevada. Yeah, right. it's not a Sierra yeah. Nevada. And, and it, no. it, it doesn't marry no. up to that for me. No, what, so what it's, an, it's an EAPA, an English American pale ale. I, I, I really like it. And oh. I, I, your descriptor's fantastic. Is an English American pale ale. I think it's very. I think it's, I, I actually like think it. it's very drinkable. I I'd I know, happily I have a pint of this. Exactly what you're mm. saying. It's it's not as hoppy as the session IPA. No, that that's what's missing for me. That's the one thing that's missing for it for me. So is, maybe is, for us is a stronger hop on profile. On this occasion, although we've gone our traditional route, which is ABV, for you this may have been a better opener. I think this would have been much better as an opener because this is almost yeah. like going into the pub. And have, have the have the that one second yeah yeah the session IPA. because the session IPA after this would be a fantastic palate cleanser yeah, yeah. It's so citrusy and lift it's a real lift bit. and it I, probably would set you up for what will come third I think we often when, when we select how we're going to drink beers on the show we often go by ABV I, I don't I, th- I think sometimes we need to maybe look into a little bit more yeah in terms of style characteristics what's going to work well because yeah, we probably need to spend maybe just a little bit longer yeah the ABV is often does work Be- on this occasion I think and I would I would say so this is almost like going into the pub and saying I'm gonna have my pint of cask that'd be your first beer wouldn't it yeah enjoy that pint of cask not think about it really enjoy it though and then we get as James said we get the palate cleanser but it's not just a palate cleanser it's got some wonderful hop yeah, I mean, characteristics hop aromas mm. sets you up for the West Coast IPA if it's going to follow I I liked this uh, American Pale Ale but I loved the first one mm. I mean the first one I'll definitely go uh, seek that out yeah. yeah I just wanted to ask I, 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 I could see that you'd slowed down a bit and me and James probably hadn't slowed down quite as much so but it's good so I think it's still a good, very good beer it's just maybe the American pale ale people are going to think hops, hops, hops. I don't think that's where I am yeah. with it, and it's not not quite doing yeah. it for me. So let's dive into some of these comments from this second poll. So um, from Sat at Satis, without a doubt, who's next? One of the best I've been served by is in the volley in Bristol. Even mm-hmm. got the guy a, a drink. Do you, um, know, do you know the volley? Yeah, the Royal, yeah, yeah, naval volunteer. Did, did I go in there? Did yeah. I make it to that one? I, me- I mentioned it in is my... That uh, the book. Is that one of the ones we went to? I think that was yeah, one of the Yeah, it's, King- it's on King Street. Oh, is that the one with Lock- It's the old naval volunteer, oh, but it's really known sh- as the volley. Oh, stupidly long name. Yeah. Did I, did I make it there? Yeah, you, I think you did go there, but we weren't there. Oh, okay. So you left. It's opposite Fair the Bristol Old Vic, almost. No idea. No idea about the Bristol Old Vic. No, no idea. This was late in the evening. Yeah. Ah. Um, so uh, from Mosaic Mike, beer evangelist at Mike's Taproom. Uh, still surprised that the result on this uh, got me thinking, though, if knowing who's next is so important, is that why we're seeing a trend of formal queues in Spoons pubs? The staff don't know who's next, so queuing is the customer solution. It's a fucking rubbish solution. I hate uh, queuing like that. I, I I've got to say, my bar. little bugbear is, and I had this quite recently booked to my partner away to Henley, and they had the till uh, facing behind them. 
So every time they went for the money, they had to turn your back on the customer. The till should be under the counter, so you keep eyes on you the You mentioned that in the book, that's don't you? Yeah. That's, and that's another one of your dad's things, isn't it? That's no. one of my... The, 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 the staff keep, have always got to be able to be see the, the, the customer. Because you'd be forward-facing. You wouldn't turn your back. No, you, you don't turn your back. and you don't. So you should be aware of who's who and what, uh, who wants to Actually, be Actually, that's a good point, because if you turn around, you're disorientated then. Mm. You haven't got an idea who's next. And going on to the who's next is when I had my uh, second bar job, when I was in Swansea as a university student, I was told by the bar manager, I went, right, there's these three regulars, you're in charge of them, I don't care if you're mid-round, if their glass is empty, just fill it up mid-round, fill it up, get the money from them later. And so there were three guys I was in charge of, and so if if their pint was empty, I just whisk it up, fill it up, bang it down, carry on the round, and uh, keep them happy because they become. Did that ever? Did that ever cause any issues from no. the others that you were serving? No, because this is in South Wales, and they, you know, the other people might be English tourists, and they're looking at these Welsh lads. And going, yeah, I'm not going to mess with them. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not going to interfere. With one that of them. One. Yeah. One of them was an ex Royal Marine, so it's, it's, it was easy to uh, sort out. But <laughs> it was subtly, I did it subtly. You were told to do it subtly. It wasn't like a hang on a second. I'm just going to go and yeah. serve that. But you just literally just. I mean, the only play, quick, I don't mind the queues at the spoons at the airports. Because that's quite a normal thing to do, is queue at an airport. Yeah, I can it? live with mm. that because that's almost like it's within its setting. But generally in a pub, I'm, I just don't like the queuing bit. The, the other yeah. place that it happens I'm, a lot. We're all English. I, it's I it's yeah. interesting as a, as a comic. I've noticed this quite recently. I've done gigs in pubs. And when you see them queuing at a, a rugby club or a football club, you go, oh, they're going to be a nice audience because they're looking after each other. But it, it, it is an odd thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the other place that I've seen it happen a, a lot is uh, um, holiday camps. <laughs> and, and I don't know why. In, in the entertain, Having been to a lot of holiday camps with my kids, in, in the entertainment hall, there's always an, an actual formal queue at the bar. People seem to forget the ability to just go to a bar because when you're at a holiday camp. camp. Yeah, it's like, and you, you're so used to queuing for things again that, that suddenly you, you, you want to start queuing for something. Yeah. I'm sure we'll come back to queuing again though because it has come up time, time and time <laughs> well, well, we're, again. While we're on the queuing thing, um, another thing is the other bugbear is when there's, it's not the bar staff's fault, when there's two little bar staff behind the bar. It's packed, and there's two poor people behind the bar. A barrel goes, they've got to go down to the cellar, we're down to one. It, it doesn't cost that. Uh, uh, sometimes pubs think, oh, we'll save money on the amount of bar staff. No, more bar staff. Uh, I've been to pubs, I'm sure you have, and you think, hang on, we're not going to get served in here, let's go to the next pub. But if you could get served quickly, you're going to stay for longer. It's been a massive bugbear in my normal life, that. Because I'm thinking, if I'm in a group of, say, five or six guys, mm. or a mixed group, what numbers and gender irrelevant, but one round of five or six of us is probably what they're paying them for a few hours anyway. And we've walked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You've lost, you've lost the customs. Yeah. And also, you're having a chat, especially if you're on a date, there's only two of you, you think, if I go to the bar now, if you're trying to, you know, announce a single person, you're trying to chat someone up, yeah. you go to the bar, I'm going to be lost for five minutes, I'm going to lose that girl. Let's yeah. go, let's, let's ask her to the next pub. Well, you've just lost the conversation, haven't exactly. you? Exactly. That, or you're with thing. your friends and you're catching up and you go... Oh, I've got to go. There. It's my round. I'm going to lose yeah. ten minutes in. 
I think one of the other things that came up quite a lot was the politeness issue as, as, as well. So Miles Lambert and Miles Lambert says, politeness is key to the whole to making the whole of our society work. Polite bar staff will handle the, the, the who's next issue in a sensible manner. And a lot of other people um, saying that as well. So John Moore at the Beer Idiot, John at Beer in the Suburb, and Pete at Hops and Hoops also commenting about politeness as well, uh, being a real key factor in mm. this. Yeah, and that sort of carried on a little bit with... Um Ginger Al Enthusiast at FC Slattery. In my opinion, a polite member of staff will smile and ask who's next, if not sure. Because, you know, manners. And also, yeah. I think when you ask who's next, generally, unless you've got a dick beside you, most people will go, I'm next, or the person beside you is next. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. always think that if I'm, I'll, I'll, I won't jump it, I'll say they're next. The most frustrating bit about that is that when you don't get next. Yeah, yeah I sometimes yeah. say, I'm next, but this is person's after me or yeah, yeah. I, I, I am one of those that if I if I come to the bar and somebody stood next to me that's clearly been there before me and then they come to me I'm like oh no this 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 person yeah, was before me can you serve yeah. them and then come back to me because but how frustrating is it when they don't come back to you though yeah they go off and serve someone else well, you're, closest or, to or there's the three chair. bar staff and you realise you're in the middle of two bar staff and that's there's you're in the they've got zones, no you're, you're yeah. in the twilight zone you're yeah like, oh. there's nowhere to go yeah now there were a lot of um, other suggestions as well in in terms because we, obviously we had those three um, but a lot of people said said other things as well well we, could, we couldn't have the, the poll only takes four options yeah and, and we kind of them. avoid doing the other yeah. these days so Hannah Davison at Lapsed Old Soak I would take knowing how to hold a glass correctly over smiling any day Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people took umbrage with the smiling comment, but um, I'm not going to go into that because it kind of goes against the whole being happy, really. Um, 300 at 300 Thrones, tolerance. That was all he said. Yeah. Tolerance. <laughs> I think, and I think, that's, I think that's great. Um, Guy Miller at BrewGuy underscore, listening to the customer. I mean, these are, these are all great comments that, oh, yeah, that we were getting here. Definitely. And um, so, carrying on with um, Alexander Ustinov. Great name. <laughs> just put me in mind to thank you for Christie straight away at Beer Impact most important skill is none of those okay <laughs> uh, thanks to survive behind the bar you need patience towards management not smiling or not being polite more often than not comes from a bad work ambience and really no one cares who's next so I'm not that, sure I agree with that last point but I definitely feel that came from a bad experience on the side of the bar you're going to have in a week's time Steve yes yeah that was that was from a I've worked behind a bar or bars and that's how it's come across is money in the till is almost what they're saying there. Um, James at Perilous Banana. I do wonder how people come up with these names sometimes. I think that's, I love that one. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, not telling me what I'd like. Yes, I know how expensive that is. No, I don't mind, but it's hoppy. Cheers. Um, so I'm assuming it's one of those experiences. You've gone into a bar and they've said, you know, it's, nine percent and it's going to cost you so much that, that's an interesting one how much it costs uh, i went into oh, this is years ago went to a bar and they said right uh, that's five pounds i went no they went you just ordered that I went yeah but i didn't realize you'd be overcharging me for that particular pint no and uh, i've only done it once but i refused to pay it really and they said what are you gonna have i went well won't have anything uh, but but it was being massively overcharged for a beer. Yeah. Five th- pounds uh, back in the day, there was about three pounds. I thought, 
This is no. I take I take umbrage if it isn't advertised on their board how much it is, or they tell you after you've poured it, after they've poured it, how much it is. Oh, they said I, beforehand. There yeah. was no. There was no. Clue. I do kind of like a heads up if it's a really expensive beer. I, I don't mean, mind if it's expensive, but it was more to do with the fact that I had no idea this beer was going to be five pounds. Yeah. Thought, no, this isn't even a good beer. My experience of that l- literally boils down to a bar that we've already mentioned tonight, North Bar in Leeds. Yeah. Which, when, when I started, um, I, I was with a previous job, I was in Leeds quite a lot. And when I started going regularly, the North Bar was always the first bar I would go to when, when I was staying overnight. And <laughs> I would always go in, and my first pint would always be a pint of Cannonball which is going to surprise nobody that, that nope. listens to this. But every time I ordered that pint of Cannonball, I was always told two things. One, do you know that 7.4%? Yes, I do. That's £5.50 a pint. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I at least I'm getting That's a heads nice. up that yeah. it's a strong beer, yeah. and it's probably more than you're used to paying yeah. for a good yeah. beer. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. And if it was a craft beer, it's fine. But it wasn't a craft beer. It was a, it was a normal beer brand. It was just overpriced. No, fair enough. I mean, you're you're the paying customer. Yeah. Um, while you two open your your West Coast IPAs, um, from Andrew Sheldon at Tavare Fan Club, ensuring that the cast lines have been pulled a little, so that the first taster or even pint isn't vinegar. I think that's very important. There's no there's no time that should ever happen in a no. pub. No time and, should ever happen. And we've been in again the Vic a few times early doors, and. I've noticed every time they always pull one through before they serve you. Yeah, if we're, especially with the yeah. first yeah. people. Um, from Rob at Hopzine. Oh, can I just interrupt there? Yes. One thing when I was about 18 years old, my dad said to me, uh, he says, if you don't know, don't recognise any of the beers, ask the landlord, if you're in a town you don't know, what everybody's drinking. I said, why? Is that because it's the most popular drink? He says, no, it's not because it's the most popular drink. Because it'll be thoroughly pulled through. If you're going for a bitter, it'll be totally pulled through. If you choose a beer that uh, an ale that nobody's drinking that night, you might get a dodgy pint. A great top tip. There was a great top tip there. I, yeah. I remember that one actually. Now you say it. Um, so Rock goes on to say, "I do like staff to know what is actually on the bar. They should be more familiar than the customer that just walked through the door." It's a valid point. It's a very valid point. But the thing is, we don't get you know. Not everyone who were it depends on the bar and the pub doesn't it? I mean you know let's go back to Rich who's invited you to go and do a shift at the, the Vic he is a beer geek he, he loves his beers he loves being in the pub he loves talking about mm. the pub loves talking about the beers for some people it's just a job like any other job and some people are never interested in the job they do mm. you know um, it's a vocation yeah, yeah. I think you I'll tell you what Right, you are, maybe you can help me with this, James. It's maybe saying off a bit of a tangent. You know, pump clips on uh, cask hand pulls. Yeah. So they have this lovely badge on the front, tells the customer everything there is, and then it's completely blank on the other side. Why don't either the, the brewers put something on the back? And why doesn't like, the landlord just scrawl something on there? Because the amount of times you go into a place and someone then turns it round to have a look and say, oh, is that the one you wanted? I've never understood that. Why, mm. why is the back of the clip not saying something? 
Oh yeah, that's a good. I never thought some, of that. Some that's do, a good... don't they? Some have a little sticker on that at least gives some basic. Yeah. Take Sorry, you notes. missed us. Next time we'll so try this. If anyone's yeah. got any any ideas for that one, because yeah. that, I've seen it a lot recently, especially in the city. That where, where is a brilliant business idea. Don't have a clue about the other side. I don't, as far as I know, the pump clips aren't transferable. It's not like you take the sticker off the front because they all have a very d- distinctive design, don't they? Yeah. And yeah. then you you. You don't give the bar staff a chance then to know That's, what the beer is. That is a really yeah. good idea. There's someone listening now. It's probably James Watt, Brewdog. Right, I'll have that. But, <laughs> He's um, probably not listening. No, I is, doubt that. It is <laughs> very much. A, That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Um, and then we had there a was cup. interesting, sorry to interrupt sorry? again. Craft, uh, I don't know if you saw, sorry, Craft Beer Rising. <laughs> but there was the, um, did you see the wood carvings of the, um, it was in the, uh, the adjo- there was an adjoining room and there was uh, guys that uh, fashioned pump clips, wooden carvings, pump clips, specialised in Was that, was that near where the New Zealand beer collection yeah, were? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. That. yeah. That was fascinating. I thought it was brilliant. But they weren't serving beer, were they? No. No, I moved so, on. So you, you were, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you didn't spend any time there. When I say I saw it, I mean, I was walking past. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this is, well, uh, <laughs> the next one's probably one that's pertinent to me, uh, and this is from the Mad Brewer at the Mad Brewery, and from also from Matt Chinnery at Half Pint. Gent, the ability to pull a pine. Here we go, Steve. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And then finally on this one, from Shane Pollard at Shane Pollard 16, as someone who has worked in and ran bars for the last 11 years those options are quite insulting and shows why people do not respect it as a career in the uk they are three they are not three skills now i, I went back to shane and i said oh i'm sorry we don't mean to offend anybody by the words we use and sometimes maybe we use the wrong words can you expand on that a little bit and he did he came back with quite an expansion so he said it's um it's not a pop at you guys it's more of a societal issue you have you have been in plenty of different venue situations to appreciate and understand the difference between poor and exceptional bar staff. But unfortunately, if all we expect of them is to be able to do is all, all they're able to do is who's next or smile, then staff who are brilliant and love what they do will eventually leave the industry as being viewed as unskilled will leave them always being underpaid. Until we as a consumer expect more from a bartender and respect the job their job role more then we will not be able to keep people working in the industry therefore new people constantly entering and leaving the hospitality industry it's a vicious circle sorry if I've, if I've gone off completely on a tangent for a list of skills look at professionalism time management efficiency counseling at times p.s i really love the podcast and what you two do shane thank you for actually feeding all of that back and, and, and like I say, I think sometimes we maybe use the wrong descriptors in, in, in things. And looking back at that, I think the three things we listed probably aren't skills. Uh, well, you it, it, being hard on yourself. I think, I think what your, um, the quiz there is basically, or the, uh, the market research, is basically seeing what the punters want, but what the bar staff are looking for and the managers are looking for is something slightly different. So I, I see both sides there. Yeah, and I think that's point. I mean, firstly, I'll echo what you said, Steve. Thank you very much, Shane, for not only the first comment, but being kind enough to follow up with the second one mm. on the, direct, directly to us. Um, appreciate that you love the show as well, so thank you. Um, and yes, I would agree with what James just said. I think our, when we spoke about doing this poll, it was very much from the point of view of the R side of the bar. Mm. Because we have too, we're, we're too limited on our experience. I've worked in a pub briefly, but it was very limited experience, and it was in a local that was run by a partner at the time whose mum and dad owned it. So I had a bit of a, yeah. a free run almost. I wasn't going to get too much criticism. Yeah, what I was doing. So 
Well, I was definitely doing it from a punter's point well, of view. It's interesting that um, my dad came to see me do stand-up for the first time in 10 years uh, last year. And the feedback he had was, when you walk on, why don't you smile uh, a bit more? Now, his was the point of view of a punter. But my point of view was I was trying to work out my character that I was going to do the stand-up in. So it was a different... What I was coming from was a different angle to what he was coming from. I think that's the same as Shane's son. Yeah, mm. but I mean... So again, it's supposedly the duck under the, 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 under the water, above the water. But this will be quite interesting. Is again, you will only have a brief stint. But if anyone else has got some other opinions from the side of the bar that me and Steve don't normally occupy... Yeah. Please share them with us. But we did also get quite a good comment, which I didn't feature, um, which was from Beatniks Republic, who, who said, what about doing a list of skills that customers should have, which I think is the... Ooh. We're, we're going to do that part yeah. next. In, and I'm not using the word skills, I'm going to use the word traits this time. So what are the sorts of traits that customers should demonstrate in a, in a pub or yeah, bar? Yeah, and that may, been, that may have been part of the opinion thing. I think maybe the smiling being polite, knowing who's next, wasn't so much the problem the word skill but I you know when yeah. we're putting this together it's you know we try to plan it but sometimes yeah we won't pick the right word so I think traits would have been really quite be good nice yeah, yeah. customers smile and know who's next and just just be polite <laughs> to the bar so. exactly yeah so we've just um, we've just cheers the final fierce and noble beer that we're featuring this week which is the West Coast IPA 6.5% 500 mils in a green can um, so it should pretty much be everything I've ever hoped for in a beer. Yep, so what do you think so far? I think it's quite light. It doesn't taste like 6.5. It's quite light. I'd, Another I'd agree, summery actually. beer. I'd very happily drink this. Pairs quite nicely with the first one, if you want to up into second gear to third gear. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, it has, interestingly, it hasn't got its little marker on the side. No. Whereas I, so therefore, I would have expected it to be a bit close on the more towards the fierce. Yeah, I'm wondering um, if this was a, a beer that came before the others before. Maybe this was one of their launch yeah. beers, but um, oh, it, I agree with James. It definitely doesn't t- it doesn't drink like six and a half percent. No, no, um, absolutely not. Again, I don't think it's also not a hot monster. So I don't no. think I don't think it's a slap me round the chops. It's a, it's only hops. There's no balance. It's got the balance. Um, it's nice and clear. There's plenty of clarity in that beer. Yeah, nice yeah. carbonation like all all the beers we've had so far from them. Um, just really well balanced yeah i think this goes into what you said about the devel that um you know it's dangerously sessionable this is the same oh this it this tastes like a session beer. this is yeah. dangerous this is to me this is showing all the characteristics of beaver town's neck oil uh, yeah <laughs> but yes. almost two and a half percent more yeah and if i drank this as quickly as i drink neck oil be then dangerous. it would be very dangerous mm. but i think that's that's a great sign of some really talented brewing there yeah. to be able to brew a 6.5% West Coast IPA that you want to drink like a session beer. Mm. Oh, I think it's, it's beautiful. It's very good. And again, nice striking design. Plenty of green on the can for you, Steve. Yeah, lovely. It and is again, fierce and noble. Green, yeah. green and That's purple. That's exactly what it says in the which tin. Is a, which is a very um, sort of 80s, 90s colouring There scene. again, you know, goes to, yeah, the football kits. It's like football kits. Still, I like the football it's, references. It's, Love it now. It's like 90s <laughs> football kits. We're now at a part of the show, James, that you might have been looking forward to, which is um, <laughs> actually where our listeners get to 
grill you for a bit. <laughs> so, as, as always, when we have guests, we put a request out on Twitter asking if anybody had any questions for you. Uh, and we did have quite a few questions come back, which is, which is great. So thank you to everyone who submitted. Um, I hope you're ready for this, James. Um, first up, from James at Gammon Baron. I started drinking over 20 years ago. Cask Boddington's was £1.20. You could smoke and there were six pubs in my village. Two are now flats and houses, but two bars have opened in a bank and a butcher's. What do you perceive pubs and beer will be in 2040? <laughs> well, he sounds like the same age as me, actually. Um, but um, in the book, I mentioned... I kind of used the idea of Ronnie Biggs coming out of prison. Um, he returned to the UK at 71 after hiding out in Brazil. Um, and he decided when he left prison, he said, I want to walk into a Margate pub as an Englishman and buy a pint of bitter. And I, I imagine he'd have been quite shocked at what happened in that time, you know. Walked in, he doesn't know what curry club is, he doesn't know what cream flow is. I mean, it's, it's very different, isn't it? Um... I think in 40 years' time, I don't quite know what's going to happen, to be honest with you, because the pub, it seems to be, it's going in two different directions to me. There's the people who like pubs because they like pubs, and there's also your listeners are more aficionados, so your listeners... The people are gonna, like pubs because of beers. Yeah, exactly. So people who like beers because they like the taste of beers will... Uh, sort of go towards the tap room and the uh, the micro pub, whereas I've got a friend of mine, Yaka Jim, you know, it's a pub. And uh, I mentioned the book, but I took him, uh, I went with one of my unimates, went to uh, Brewdog, Glapham Junction, more having a nice time. Yaka Jim arrives late, he goes, Oh, double, let's all go to the bar, get a beer. He goes, Big cousin, Oi, Jimmy, they ain't got any bleeding Carly. You've got, to, got to drink some Ponzi Lager. Anyway, I had the last laugh. I told him to stick a top in it. Now, he is a guy who loves pubs, but he's not a beer aficionado. So I think there's two sort of different... Uh, it doesn't mean to say just because you like Carly, you don't like pubs. You just, you're just you just not interested in the beer. You might mm. be more interested in the atmosphere of pubs. So you think it'll carry on going the way it is at the moment, then? I... I yeah. Yes, but I think there'll be a more discerned splinter group. More divergence. Yes, more divergence. Okay. Next question. So from Adam Johnson at Maybe Not A Fad. Do you think the pub needs to evolve to stay alive? Is taking a leave from Continental Pub something that could aid this? I.e. selling other items behind the bar? Yeah, I, I think you have to evolve to stay alive. I mean, take my parents' pub for a for an example when he bought it in 69 there was a, a local uh, town nearby so he would tapped into them but they all had to drive to the pub and so when the drinking driving laws came in that stopped that so he thought right okay so he pushed the food a bit more so people would come out for a meal and have a beer uh, or somebody would drive and then the smoking ban came in, so it was a, you had to adapt to that. So you're constantly having to adapt to things. And now the craft beer uh, revolution, a lot of people have gone right and have a craft beer fridge. But you're constantly having to tweak things, I think, which I think is a good thing, isn't it, really? So what you're saying is that that's what people have been doing anyway. The successful I pubs, so. the ones that have survived, have done it anyway? I think so. I think um, a lot of the successful pubs have done it quite subtly, so you wouldn't really notice that much. 
um, it's evolution, isn't it? Evolution, it's just yeah, evolution, yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, on a similar sort of thing, uh, SE18 craft beer lovers at SE18CBL, should we adopt the way of the continent and serve all drinks with a tiny bowl of nuts or crisps? On a recent visit to a tap room in Milan, they served the flight with a free selection of pizza slices. Yeah, that's that's interesting. The um, I don't know if you've ever read have you read Anti Bourdain's books. No. He did one when he did a tour around the world, and he went to Barcelona, and he loved the idea of eating and drinking. So basically, he went out with these girls in Barcelona and the Ramblers, and rather than go on a, they were going on a pub crawl. But each time they'd have like half a beer and they'd have a couple of bits of tapas. Now, my dad, as I said, uh, had the pub in 69. Um, before that, he worked for Bernie Inns and he'd been working too hard. They said, go and take a holiday. So he went off to Palmer and he, he, he said, oh, tapas, this is good. Having a beer with a bite to eat. And uh, he had a problem with people going home for their dinner. So he introduced a thing called West Country Tapas. Where you'd have a, like a little pork pie, uh, scotch eggs, little things like that. And I think I think it's the way forward in the so, tap rooms. Sounds like sort of tap essence. I'd rather. Exactly. <laughs> rather than the, uh, the garlic sausage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You go, you go to a tap room and you think, this is great. And you think, I want to taste all these beers. But at some point, you've got to put a lining in your stomach. So if they just gave scotch eggs or, or uh, sausage rolls or something... Just to keep you keep you ticking and over. And is the giving the important bit there then? Because ah, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, SE eighteen has said free selection of pizza slices. Uh, well, I think with the tap room, maybe if you're tasting a flight or tasting, so if you're expected to be there for a while, then maybe give it. But if you're just going there for a pint, then no. Okay, fair enough. Um, from Paul at UNRCD, and I think this is his first mention tonight. It is indeed, yes. It is. Um, points off for that, probably. Well, no, to, to be fair to him, it's not to say that he didn't mention in, in both of the opinions polls, but he's also had a lot to say about this, and he's got a few other bits coming up later on as oh. well. So it's about balancing oh, it's how about many balance. times somebody is mentioned. It's all about balance. Yes. Just like our beers. Yeah. Or as Miles keeps saying, the B in beer is for balance. Fair enough. So, from Paul at UNRCD, is it too simplistic to say good run pubs will survive whilst bad ones will go? Still lots of bad bars out there and rail run pubs have gone. So, he sort of asked the question and, and answered it. it, but turned it on its head. Yeah, but the, 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 we also had a follow-up sort of comment question to that from Matt Chinnery at Half Pint Gent who said, what we perceive as good and bad pubs is very different to other people. Two pubs around the corner from where I live, I'd never go in, but they're rammed most nights. That kind of goes back to what I was saying about my mate Yakka Jim will be in the ram most nights yeah. pub. Whereas the listeners here, of which we are, are beer aficionados. So I suppose it's whether you were in a uh, an interesting beer led, you know, that's that wet there, dry there, but interesting beer led pub or uh, more of an atmosphere led pub. Yeah. Yeah, that's a valid, that's a valid point, yeah. actually. Uh, I quite liked Matt's follow-up to that. I did, mm. yeah. So, Rob, Rob's Beer Odyssey, at Rob's Beer Odyssey. Um, Rob had three questions, because uh, he's <laughs> greedy. Um, but 
the first two are actually covered in your books. We're not going to ask you those to answer those because it kind <laughs> no. of gives away your content. Okay. Uh, the first one would was, should dry lead food pubs be classified as pubs or something else? And secondly, what makes your the ideal pub experience? And as I say, both of those uh, are in your book. So well, we won't make you answer almost the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but is, the yeah. third question is an interesting one and does tap into something we've already been briefly skirting around is are micro pubs, brewery tap rooms, the future of how pubs will be? Well, I think yes for the beer aficionados. Um, the people who really like beer, who want to taste interesting beer, are going to migrate to more the micro pubs and brewery tap rooms. Whereas my mate Yaka Jim is going to go more to the watching Sky Sports. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. They go more atmosphere. But I think it depends on your tastes, really. I think it's almost like, in music terms, it's almost like, do you like pop music or indie music? I think, uh, you know, craft beer is indie music. That's how I describe it. It's very difficult to describe craft beer, but it's like indie music to me. It's do it yourself. I'll take that. Yeah. And so, uh, last question on this bit, listener questions for James. With Beer O'Clock Show doing a shift behind a bar very soon, <laughs> do you have any hints or tips to help him survive the night? From Richard Taylor at Rich Taylor 1608. Well, according to your viewers, it doesn't matter whether you smile or not. No, so I'm not um, going to smile. You just got to get. You just got to know what's next. But no, it's 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 been welcoming. Uh, my dad said to me when I first got my first bar job, uh, was remember everyone's name. And that's what his business has been built on. Just remember people's names. Because I said, well, what happens if I accidentally pour a Guinness He's on somebody's head? He went, don't worry, as long as you say, Terry, sorry, Nigel. But it's literally remember everyone's names. And if you can remember their drink, even better. That's a tough ask on, on, on <laughs> so my first da- shift. My parents are well known for remembering I'm not sure everyone's names and one fact about them. Okay, For example. Yeah. But they about, might say Martin would, and he's a Liverpool fan. What about if you just, the first shift, so you can't do all of those things. So shift number one, intro, not long term. What's Steve's number one rule? It's got to be welcoming. I think if you're nice welcoming yourself, you can't go wrong. Likeability. There you go. I like that. Likeability. Likeability is, is a word. Yes. Hashtag likeability. Yeah, we'll have what, that. What, I'm sure you will, the best question you'll get is, what should I have? That's what you'll, you'll like. Well, what do you like? Exactly. That, that, That's what, the answer. Yeah. That is the answer. Or what do you normally have? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. You're, you're ready to go. Rich, he's ready to go. Can't wait. Very excited. Um, so we've done a lot of content so far. Yep. Um... And as always, if, if people want to make any comments on, on what we've been talking about, use the hashtag opinions. You can carry on getting involved in these discussions. Um, even if you want to come back on some of James's questions, you, you know, use that hashtag and I'm sure James will get involved and answer those. Uh, and, and if you do, you might very well feature in the next part of the show. Mm. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. In the last show, we, we had a discussion about yellow belly um, somebody made a comment about the ingredients and we had a, a discussion following on from that which kind of suggested that the comment had been made was actual fact 
when yeah we, we, we spoke about it and shared it without saying quite clearly that it was one tweet and it was a rumour yeah um, so it's probably fair to say at this point that we, we probably should have fact checked a little bit more yes um, and the, the discussion that we had maybe maybe went a bit far yeah um, and thank you to one of the listeners who came back to us on that well we had a couple of comments yeah. on that a couple of people commented someone came back to us directly yeah um, and shared their thoughts with us and they were quite right and first of all thank you for doing that secondly they were right to do it and it's a little lesson for us yeah um, that you know despite the fact we're always trying to make this fairly light fairly breezy and a chat between two people other people do listen to it as well so yes we should have fact checked and we shouldn't have shared what was a one tweet rumour as a fact yeah and you know we, we will always encourage people to do that if you think we've gone too far with something or overstepped a line or haven't fact checked then challenge us on it yeah please do you know we'd work we'd rather it on dm yeah because we can address it with you personally um but but please oh, we're, we're it's an from, open forum because our, our dms incredible. are open as, yeah. as, as well on, on the beer o'clock show account you can you don't have to be following us or be being followed by us to be able no, to dm anybody message. can dm us so so please do um getting into the other comments we've had rich taylor at rich taylor 69 i mean how many mentions does this guy want know. tonight for God's sake, uh, great show, guys. I've warmed up now. Um, at least he proves he listens to, <laughs> to the shows. Uh, if I could recommend a great beer with adjuncts, I'd, it'd have to be Black Irish Beer and Neon Raptor Brew. Nothing else matters. It's perfection. Perfect nutty aroma and taste, balanced with raspberry smooth, and the taste goes on forever. Paul at UNRCD was staggered when Steve didn't go for Cannonball when he thought what an, I, what, what an IPA was. Would have loved to have seen his whiskey face. Uh, <laughs> his whiskey face was very similar to one or two of those sour faces. It, it sucked in just a little bit more. It, it hurt as well. It that did that hurt whiskey you, didn't it? burnt me, yeah. Um, Hopzine at Hopzine, delayed train being improved with a podcast and this stunning beer, to which there was a picture of the Colonel Export Stout. Um, can't go far wrong with that. No. I'd, I'd, I'd suggest the perfect pairing, Opinions Podcast and Colonel Export Stout for anybody that's looking for, for <laughs> the it. perfect pairing. <laughs> um, interesting episode, guys. Enjoyable as ever. Regarding Black New England IPAs, Wyland Brewery released Future Soccer Round this time last year, which is probably one, to my mind, and really, really tasty to boot. And that was from Pete at Tops and Hoops. We also had a, a couple of other people recommend... New England black IPAs mm. that we might have missed. So uh, James at Gavin Barron said Brewdog's Vermont Vampire. Which I have now had. That, that was a fanzine release, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Any views on that? Well, I quite enjoyed it. I think the, the, the darker elements of it actually probably helped to balance off the New England IPA elements. Okay. But Brewdog don't make a one, a, a New England IPA that goes too far anyway. That, no, that's true. Uh, and the other one was from uh, Mick Porter at Mick underscore Porter unbards a black clear night in New England which I can't say I'd, I've seen no I haven't seen or, that or, or, or tried um, this next one was an absolute revelation for, yeah, for this, me this when, it, when, when it came through it was amazing I had to read it a couple of times <laughs> so Mark at Kel fired remember guys vanilla isn't sweet we use it primarily in sweet foods and drinks because it complements sweetness, but vanilla, vanilla itself isn't sweet. Public service announcement over. Loving this week's show so far. Just up to the Mala Mafia. Great idea. Who knew? Did James, did you know this? Did you know that vanilla wasn't sweet? No. I thought it was semi-sweet. I thought it was 
I don't know, maybe because I'm programmed to have... Vanilla ice cream is probably my base for vanilla. But you only ever have vanilla in sweet things, don't you? Yeah, but you said in sweet things. Oh, yeah. Straight away. So, but I, I'm just pre-programmed. To, maybe vanilla ice cream is just so far away from vanilla most of the time. That well, vanilla is a code word for ordinary, isn't it? But I thought it had a tiny bit of sweetness in it. But it's an interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that as red. Yeah, it's good. I never knew. No, I never knew that was a school day for me. Every day is a school day, Steve. Absolutely. So we had uh, from Simon Manchester at the Pyman Seven. Great podcast again. Listen to it on my way to and from work. Thirsty now. <laughs> Always a problem listening to a podcast on the way to work in the morning. Yeah, yeah when yeah. it's beery, especially if it's a beer related beer one. Related I, I can relate to that. I always <laughs> listen to you in the car. In the car, where's my can a bit old? I don't exactly. know. Oh, yeah, I can't. Um, it's from SE18 Craft Beer Lovers at SE18 CBL. Lacey's Beer O'Clock Show podcast. Bring back the snoring dog. Comment about chewing. Yeah, I, I don't think they were happy that there was a lot of chewing in the last episode because uh. there, there was a gif of somebody chewing. <laughs> um, which I did my best to cut out most of the chewing. So basically, they want more Dave, more, and less of us chewing. More Dave food. and less of us eating okay. while we're, we're, we're talking. I Fair think. Enough. Um, and from uh, Miles Lambert again, a few mentions tonight at Miles Lambert. Another point with adjunct. Many breweries these days don't name their beers; simply state what flavour and style it is. Twenty years ago, drinkers were probably less aware of what adjuncts to expect from an ordinary beer. Miles also went on to say, when I drink, when I think of an IPA, my instinct is for a US West Coast IPA, somewhere between Jaipur and Cannonball. I think that was because we asked for people to feedback, wasn't it? When, when we say IPA, what's your immediate, what, what's, thought? What's your immediate yeah. thought? And um, Miles was the only person to feedback on that, so bonus points for him. I think, I think that's quite interesting in that the Australian uh, wine boom... They were French. The French in the wine industry never named the uh, the grapes. They just said, "Oh, it was Burgundy." So you had to know what uh, what what grapes it was. Whereas in Australia, they named them, and now we're starting to name them more with beer. Well, I mean, all the beers tonight, although they haven't named the hops directly, we've had a session IPA, an American Pale Ale, mm. a West Coast IPA. They haven't come up with weird and wonderful no. names. It's the style. It literally yeah. is what yeah. it says on the tin. The name of exactly. the, yeah, the, name yeah. Of the beer is. Is the style of it as well, um, and with regard to his IPA, somewhere between Jaipur and Cannibal sounds like a bit of a sweet spot to me. It sounds absolutely <laughs> perfect, doesn't it? Mm. Um, we then had from Marty C seventy three at C seventy three Marty, um, who fed back on the comments we were making about Big Drops beer, which oh, was yeah. the zero percent, zero point five percent imperial. Uh, beer that I tried. I went to a big drop tasting at Arcade Tavern a few weeks ago. It was explained that their beer is is brewed using a really lazy yeast and with only 20% of the ingredients used in a full strength beer. The beer is thus traditionally brewed but with only 0.5% alcohol. I don't think that a full bodied low alcohol beer is actually possible. Their brown ale and stout were very good though. I was impressed by the smell and taste. Hope this helps a bit. Interesting the comment about lazy yeast. Yeah. Mm. Never actually lazy. heard of that before. No. Like it can't be so asked. Teetotalers are just like, lazy. Uh, I can't yeah. bother to do it. Yeah. 
Um, Sean O'Reilly at Uncrudia uh, regarding the Beer Central Festival Digbeth is a short walk from the city centre of Birmingham brilliant thanks Sean Um, does geography as well as numbers Yeah, that's that's what we love Uh, he also went on to say that episode 80 there was a passing reference to coconut beer which brought this to mind that I had earlier this week certainly rather different but I found surprisingly pleasant oh not the Mongozo coconut yeah oh you're wrong Sean you're so wrong it was in like a coconut a wooden coconut that's the one which smells of suntan oil. I oh, know. Oh. oh. Not, oh. Not, not sure. Yeah, Mark's not, off there. Not sure I'd want him signed exclusively to us after no. Um, James at Garen Barron fed back to our question about Tonka. Uh, he was basically saying it's poor man's vanilla. I had a Tonka beer the other night. And uh, it was one Michelle bought, I think. Yeah. I'm fairly certain it was. Um, to all intents and purposes, if you looked at it, it sounded like the kind of beer I'd love towards the end of the evening. 12% plus Imperial Stout, etc and there was just something about it and I think you said that you get marzipan, marzipan. and I'm not a yeah. marzipan fan either and I don't know whether that was still in my head but it wasn't it was it was a beer which took me a long time to finish I can imagine it's not a, it's just it's definitely not my favourite but, but there are lots of people who love it I know it's a bit like people rave it's about a bit like it some people like um, what's the hot we hate Oh, Sriracha. Sriracha. Oh. <laughs> um, James did also say we, that we were right about, about Northern Monk's Neapolitan too. Yeah, I still think that's amazing. It's fantastic beer flavour-wise. Uh, Miles Lambert, at Miles Lambert, again. <laughs> um, having a pint of Adnam's Cask Brewtide because Beer O'Clock Show is always going on about it. Just to be clear, it's it's more the bottle that I'm always going on about. Um, I, I do like a cask pint of Brewtide, but I do agree that bottle version is I, nice. I do but I think in the last show I was talking about a, a, a party that I had been to and I, I only managed three pints of it where I needed to move on to something else Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a session cask beer but I will say that that comment in itself also spawned what ended up being a three day discussion about the on, ABV on, on, on Twitter about Broadside and it's ABV and it's origins that Fergus got involved in it was and like Ed got involved recipes. in it was, it was ridiculous that I mean, just would, went on forever but the perception that other people had about it being a stronger beer in the past on cask I had that as well I had that as well I, I thought they lowered the cask ABV yeah because the local market wouldn't drink it, yeah. but apparently the cask ABV has, has always, always been, been the same. Fairly steady. They honest. just made it stronger in bottles yeah. for, for some reason. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Rob Dixon at Rob Dixon UK. Uh, my podcast app hasn't been playing your podcast recently, but it popped up today. Uh, Rob, just some advice on that. Unsubscribe and resubscribe again, and it will refind our RSS feed. Yeah, which, whichever one it is, that generally works. Yeah. Basically, it's the equivalent of finding up your IT and turning it off and turning it on again. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, glad to have you back. Uh, I've got as far as the strawberry flavour. I find that having a coffee stout after a few black, co- a few black coffees is a waste. P.S. I've just remembered that you did a coffee and a coffee stout show ages ago. That was Opinions episode 20. Way back when we did it with Roland from Has Been. We did do a coffee and That's coffee. That's when I first started drinking coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but as always, uh, folks, great to have you sharing all your views on what we've been doing. I love um, this section. Yeah. Continue use, doing that. Use the hashtag opinions and we'll continue to include more of your comments in, in what you think about what we're doing. Yeah. Thoughts on the West Coast... IPA from Fierce and Noble. I think if you wanted to introduce someone to a West Coast IPA without it being lip sucking and face puckering and sucking it all in, it wouldn't be a bad one at all. No, it's it is it is pretty good in terms of 
it's it's taste profile it is it's all the citrus it's sharp there's a there's a dry bitter finish to it most of all it's just really drinkable yeah it's undeniably west coast that's say in bristol skirt lash mate yeah still skirt lash. Lash. right so that's that's the second time you've mentioned right. that james you're gonna have to explain oh. that that one to our listeners it means that it's very nice it's girt means uh, west country for great lush we went to school in the 80s Nice. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Actually, that's as simple as anything, yeah. really, isn't it? Couple of questions to finish with, then. Go on in. Questions, questions, fill my head. First up, Paul at UNRCD. How big do you like your head on beers, and does it depend on style? I'm going to defer to the pub band first of all, James. Well, yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? In, in my dad's pub, for example, they serve a flat bass. If you've got a bubble on the top, they take it back and go, "I'm being shortchanged." Whereas, uh, uh, say you go to Sheffield, uh, you know you've got a nice, a nice head on the beer, and that, that's what they expect. But it's uh, it just, I think it's geographical, isn't it? What's your preference, Steve? Mm. I do like a nice head on all of my beers. Are we talking? Are we talk, Are we answering this? Depends question? on the style. Are I we think. Talk, yeah, are we answering this question as a cask beer? No, I'm. I'm going on all my beers. Because if you go to the continent, and say we focus just on lagers when you go to the continent that could be a third of your narrow glass will be foam but I quite, I quite like that especially if it's if, if you're in a warm country going through that foam on your first mouthful is almost part of the experience also wasn't the delirium we got poured at Dublin that had a decent head on it that, that had a and he poured it to do that Duval yeah half the glass is head so I think it probably Depends on the beer. If I'm having a pint of cask, if I'm honest, I do actually quite like a bit of head on it, a bit of foam. Oh, I like a nice tight head on, on cask beer. So you're talking a sparkle or cream yeah. tight kind of head. Mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't like a foamy head The go shop I had yesterday at the local pub, it wasn't, because I did actually, you know every now and again now. You, I, you look, I look now, over don't you? There's a, you look over the bar to <laughs> see if there's a, yeah, yeah. And it must have just been uh, conditioned just right everything was good about it It the way it settled in the glass it looked like it had been poured through a sparkler mm. so yes the conditioning of the beer helps but if I had to choose for a little bit of head it's quite nice with that whole uh, lacing you can I learn. like a little bit of the head but I was just saying that in the west country where I'm from it's flat bass flat Walkworth 6x flat smart the certain beers they like it flat so it is I, I mean that is traditionally how we operate in the UK isn't mm. it south of the divide flat north of the divide a bit more colour to it yep yeah but anyone else who has opinions we know what I know what James at Gammon Barron is going to say so James you don't have to worry yep and it, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there'll be a picture of a lovely tight sparkler head yeah. on, on, on a pint but yeah as, as always um, share your views as well hashtag opinions and, and we'll read them out on the next show uh, and then the second question we had from was, was from Miles Lambert at Miles Lambert. When I travelled the UK, I used to seek out the main brewery synonymous with that region. With improved distribution networks and breweries brewing more varied beers, so the same beer less often, are those major regional beers still a thing? Probably less so. I think less so. I think you probably seek out the breweries underneath the regional, so the smaller beers that so you who's, can't. Yeah, who's doing the more? crafty innovative or more local but you have to be within five miles of the brewery to get hold of the beer that kind of thing yeah and also if you look at the landlord's side these days especially with restaurateurs everyone's going locally sourced these days 
So people want things that are close by, you know, a close by lager, a close by beer, a close by stout. Yeah, I would go, you probably don't want to go for your big regionals, it's the levels below now. Yeah. Fair comment. Thank you again for the questions, though. Absolutely, and keep the questions coming. We'll always try and feature them on the show. James. Hello. It's plug time. Um, obviously, we've been speaking about the Pub Manifesto tonight, which is, is, is the book that you've, you, you've written. Um, how do people get their hands on that? Uh, if you want to buy a copy of the Pub Manifesto, just go on to Camera, the website Camera and Pub Manifesto. Google Camera Pub Manifesto. Uh, and... I am a camera member, and I must say from previous episodes, I have a camera card. I've never used it to discount beers. Uh, I don't think that's right. Actually, no, I've used it once at the Brie Louise, but it's only because she spotted the card in my wallet and went, you can have it off. But the uh, So, Pub Manifesto camera, and the only reason I say that other than Amazon is because Amazon take a sizable chunk of okay. the... Uh, Percentage. We'll put a link in the show notes directly to where camera. people can get it from, from camera. Uh, where do folk find you if, if, if they want to follow you on the socials? Uh, I am on Twitter as at James Dadswell, or I quite enjoy Instagram these days. It's uh, quite a nice, uh, relaxing area. And I'm on Dadswell underscore drinks underscore well. So Dadswell drinks well. Okay. Uh, again, links in the show notes, all of those for, for people Thank should you. they wish to, to, to follow you. Thank you. Absolute for pleasure joining being us this on evening. a show that I really, really enjoy listening to. Thank you. And thank you for obviously quoting us in, in, in the book as well. Yeah, that was, that, that was a, a moment for me. Yeah, definitely. very, very well much so for me though. as well. There's always some great nuggets in this show. Um, thank you. And I did, I, we both read the book now yep. and um, loved it. And I think we, we should also give a thanks to Justin. Yes, because it was it was Justin who firstly highlighted to us that you had you had mentioned us in the book, um, and yeah, has, has very much been an advocate of us getting together and yeah. enjoying a beer this evening. So cheers, thank you cheers very to much. Justin. Yeah. Cheers, cheers, Justin. Cheers, thank you very much, mate. One final thing to say about tonight's show: many thanks to Fierce and Noble yes. for um, providing us with a range of beers to enjoy this evening. Excellent core range. A fantastic core range. Excellent with, with, core without range. a doubt. I would like to see the American Parallel on cask. I, I think that might lend itself to... That would work. For really me, nice. making it maybe a better beer for me. Yeah, it would lift it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, the Session IPA was exactly what we wanted from that. The West Coast IPA, again, I think is... Absolute little, winner for me. I think it's an absolute winner out of the three beers. But it's again, it's still a... I don't want to sound, make it sound disparaging. It's still a bit of a dial down but it's very well balanced. Yeah, just a bit more of a hot punch and a little bit more bitterness at the end for yeah. me would have made that nearly perfect. Yeah, but doesn't detract from it being a fantastic beer. What was your favourite out of the three, James? I loved the first one. I loved the Session IPA. I drink that till the cows go home. I love that. I'm yeah. going to go and, and seek hope, it out. And hope the cows never come home. <laughs> <laughs> so the West Country, they're already home. <laughs> yeah. uh, what are we doing next time then? Bipper comeback, Steve. We are. I've done a show that I'm very excited about. You are very excited about. I think we've got four or five, four or five lined up. We might be up to six now. Oh, is it up to six? I see. I didn't know that, listeners. Up to so six black IPAs in one show. Yeah. Okay. If you can do something, you may as well do it properly. Sounds like, like a rap do. band, doesn't it? The black yeah. IPAs. Yeah. <laughs> it might be five or six. It should be good, though. Who, who knows? Yeah, but we'll look forward to that in a couple of weeks. Um, all that's left to be said is, uh, is cheers. Cheers.